are you hiding for? I do my best work in the dark. I used to think that too. But what have you ever accomplished from there? Aside from scaring a few punks half to death and putting a few more in jail. It all adds up. Not fast enough. If you really want to make a difference, if you want to change the system instead of just patching it, you can't be subtle. You've got to step into the sunlight. Take over. Think about it. A world where there's no crime, no victims, no pain, and no choice. Anyway, who elected you? The problem with democracy is, it doesn't keep you very safe. It has other virtues, but you seem to have forgotten them. I didn't forget. I just chose peace and security instead. You grabbed power, and with that power, we've made a world where no eight-year-old boy will ever lose his parents because of some punk with a gun. This is Alex. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. So head on over to the BatmanUniverse.net to help support the TVU server cost drive. And also, <laughs> I almost mispronounced also. <laughs> I was going to say, was that another typo I did on the show now? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it wasn't okay, you this time. But also, be sure to take the TBU feedback survey at surveymonkey.com slash r slash TBU feedback. Other than almost mispronouncing also, well done, Dean. That was your best intro yet. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, this is episode number 123. Uh, You forgot the episode number, so never mind. I take back my comment. Yeah, yeah. Easy. You have to take that back. (laughs) (laughs) So how you been, Tim? I've been good. It's another two weeks closer now to Rogue One as we're in the middle of November and we're just going to be... No, actually we are now. She's under a month to when the movie comes out. So Yeah, it's almost the end of November yeah. already. I'm kind of thinking, what's the stranger feeling? That we're close to another Star Wars movie or that The Force Awakens is already a year old after that's something like forever to get here and here we are a year later. Yeah, I can't... I can't believe that because I remember back in was it 2012? Yeah. Um, they they announced that they were gonna do the sequel series. I remember just wondering when they would make another movie. I mean, when the movie would come out. And now we had a Star Wars movie last year, and we have one this year. Really, how does it get any better than that? If you're a Star Wars fan, <laughs> movie every year. I mean, come on, it's, that's another thing that feels weird. It's just not so good. And then, oh, we got episode eight to look forward to yeah. the year after, <laughs> and Han Solo, yep. which got some cool casting news yesterday. Amelia Clark's going to be in it. Yeah, well, I wonder if she's going to play a. Uh, I mean, I wonder who she's going to play. Is she going to play a villain? I hope she's playing a villain. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I saw something that uh, made me feel really old. And I guess I'm at that age where um, I see these things, and it makes me feel really, really old. Yeah, I've seen. I mean, I've I'm seen 28. A lot of those things now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, I think it was yesterday or the day before yesterday, uh, Thursday or Friday. 
the Xbox, the original mm. Xbox turned 15 years old. Yeah. And I remember buying that Xbox. I remember feeling really guilty because all I had played up to then was uh, PlayStation <laughs> and uh, Nintendo. And I felt really, really guilty about buying that Xbox, but that made me feel really old. Yeah, that's hard. That's 15 years, but it's kind of funny that you said that where it made you feel guilty because when they, Microsoft first announced they're going to make a console, I was like, oh, there's no yeah. way they're going to succeed. Sony and Nintendo are going to be a marketplace. They're, I'm not going to get it. There's no way they're going to be able to compete and like what, what who do they think they are getting into the console video game business <laughs> but then like yeah. the year after it came out yeah. i got one and i put my uh console i guess video game companies prejudice aside and accepted it and just you know be there for the good games that were going to come out on there and i'm so glad i did and now 15 years later xbox yeah. is my main console <laughs> from the 360 to xbox one that's every time there's a third party game that's well, I always go to play it on Xbox, but then like for the first party sell on the PlayStation, I'll like Uncharted. I'll, that's what I have the system for and the Nintendo stuff, but all the third party stuff that's mainly on Xbox. Mm. Wow, really? Oh, because I decided to go back to PlayStation after the 360. Um, just because I think, I mean, maybe I'm biased, but uh, the the PlayStation is just a better system. You see, for I think at least made me stay with Xbox. Basically, during the 360 was there how Xbox Live worked and just how great their multiplayer and online functionality was. And then I got suckered yep. into being <laughs> an achievement completionist, where I got was so <laughs> obsessed with building up my score, where that was a big reason why I played third-party games on there to build up my achievement score. And plus for Xbox Live, yeah. but those are the two main reasons that I just stuck with it so it's to continue on for xbox one i don't know which system has the better exclusives yeah um you know xbox we have i mean you have halo the halo games and gears of war um gears of war uh that the the new tomb raider was exclusive for like a year i think i don't like how third-party companies still make exclusives i mean they're limiting their sales when they do that. I'm sorry, I'm surprised. Like the Tomb Raider and then yeah. Street Fighter Five on PlayStation Four was an exclusive, which didn't make sense to me. But. Well, you see, what they're doing now is they're these third-party companies are uh, releasing their games on both platforms, but the DLC packs and all like the, the yeah, multiplayer maps, those are becoming the new. Uh, yeah. It's for the 360 days. Microsoft had all the Call of Duty DLC first, and now this generation, yeah. Sony has all the Call of Duty DLC first. <laughs> but I will say, well, I mean, it's, no, I just said I usually get third-party games on Xbox. Uh, Final yeah. Fantasy 15, I am getting on the PS4 because I have read that the resolution's a bit better on there. And for a Final Fantasy <laughs> game, I want the best experience possible. <laughs> that would look so. And plus, Final Fantasy, I associate with Sony more. It's Going up on the PlayStation One era with all those games, Final Fantasy Seven, Eight, Nine, then Ten on the PS2, just kind of feels natural to play the yeah. new ones on the PlayStation system. I wonder why they went from Nintendo to PlayStation. Maybe it was the hardware for the N64. It couldn't really do what they wanted to. They made like a a quick oh, demo right. of the next Final Fantasy game before the Seven. It, it looked a, did not look as good as it did on the PlayStation. A lot was real blocky. It was a tech demo, so. I'm sure that wasn't what it would have looked like on the finished product if they made it for 64, but like the CG cutscenes and the soundtrack 
quality the what's a lot better on the PlayStation consoles though, which is why they went. Uh, I see. So so there's pretty much been a there's been a Final Fantasy game for every uh, iteration of the PlayStation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So 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 what was the I remember playing one, uh, a Final Fantasy game on PlayStation Two, and I don't know which one it was, but it was it was the one where you you, you realize you're you're a spirit okay, or something. That's Final Fantasy Ten at the end of it. Oh yeah, yeah. Tedious yeah. Yuna. And he's like he was lived in a dream world. Yeah, what was yeah. that? I I never fully understood that story. So so he's not alive. Not really, no. but she is. Yeah, right. Uh, you know what? I forget the and, reasoning of how it happened. It's been a long time since I played it, which I actually want to get again because yeah. they made a PS4 HD remaster. No, but it was did. something like to keep the memory of that that ancient city Xanarkin alive. They created, yeah. But I forget who and how of what created that dream world and that big whale thing was it sin it might have been like i said it's been a while but yeah that one's up there as one of my favorite final fantasy games i gotta say the gameplay wise and story wise i really liked it yeah especially the cinematics cinematics they still hold up pretty good today and wasn't the first final fantasy with voice Mm, acting james arnold taylor doing the voice of titas Oh, really? Before I even know who James Arnold Taylor was, that might have been my first exposure <laughs> to him, actually. Oh wow! And uh, I think uh, not Joe DiMaggio. John yeah. DiMaggio is in that game. <laughs> that he sounds nothing like how he does as uh, Marcus Phoenix in the Bender. Gears of War or Bender oh. from View to Rome. He sounds nothing <laughs> like that as Waka. Oh, he 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 does the the voice of the the guy from uh, Gears of War. Yeah. Oh. And of course, Joker. What's that guy? <laughs> uh, or the Cures of War character? Uh, yeah, the Cures of War Phoenix, guy. Marcus Phoenix, I believe. Yeah. Oh, Marcus Phoenix. Oh. I've only played the first two Cures of War games. I never got the. Well, I got the third one, but I never played it. Uh, and what are they? They on now four? Yeah, the fourth one just came out. I think they made one like side game on Xbox 360, but I think that went under the radar. Yeah. So yeah, another as yeah. far as we're saying going through these next few weeks looking forward to Rogue One. I got Final Fantasy coming out in two weeks, so that'll keep me busy as well. <laughs> I can't wait for it. Oh, so that Final Fantasy one comes out yeah, in two weeks 29th. then. Oh. No, I might have to get that then. Because I've the the only game that's been announced that I'm really looking forward to is the new uh Red Dead. So, man. Yeah, Redemption, yeah. <laughs> and they barely showed anything. It still looks phenomenal. <laughs> I know they're just showing like random scenes of a farmhouse, yeah, a lake, sunset. <laughs> it's like, we, we we essentially know nothing about it, but we already just... know it's going to be awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, hopefully they make the world I bigger. Think they will yeah. But anyway. Uh, did you want to do our Dark, Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary? Well, let's do it. We're in the good yeah. stuff now. All right. So for this episode, we're going from minute 72 to 73. This is the big uh, underground fight with Bane, right? The moment we've been waiting for when we started this uh, <laughs> an hour and 11 minutes ago. <laughs> Just imagine, I don't know, 
let's say 10 episodes from now and um this fight is over uh you know the and then what happens after this tim i know there's a long period where there's not really that much happening we're gonna see john blake for quite a lot after this and looking oh, for right, Bruce, right. selena yeah. getting promoted and all that. yeah yeah Okay, well, um, yeah, so, so for this episode, we're going from minute 72 to 73, so just queue up your HD DVD, your beta, your laser disc, your VHS tape, your projector. Um, I think you got them all. Tim? Yeah. I did? You got beta, you got laser disc? So. Oh, it's, it's kind of the first time I've ever done that. <laughs> well, now I'll give you um, congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you, Tim. Um, so just queue up any of those media formats to the 72nd minute and I'm going to give the countdown so Tim are you Let's ready alright 3, 2, 1 hit play perfect shot to start on Bane holding back his fist <laughs> I love these wide shots where they're just going at each other right there and then Batman just grunting and growling as he tries to attack Bane not having any effect I love how bad. Why is Catwoman just standing there? Well, she's behind a, like, a blocked fence or like yeah. a cage type thing. But I love how Batman, like when he falls over the bridge and his cape just got to the landing. So cool. Yeah. And the water falling down has a great effect to it too. I love how his suit looks wet. <laughs> and the, and that, so I'm getting so much cool stuff happening. The suit looks cool in the rain. They had that cool like jump turn punch that Bane does to knock him out. <laughs> yeah. The sound effect's so good in this fight, too. I just love how the punches sound. And it ends on another great shot of Bane just kicking Batman. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, two episodes, and the fight still isn't over, so that's good. I, I'd say we at least got two more before this fight's over. Yeah. Well, at least we're in an in, in action yeah. scene. You know, at least it's not John Blake talking <laughs> on a college. You know, don't worry, that's coming. <laughs> at least we're actually seeing something. Yeah. Um, so Tim, why don't you tell everybody at home uh, our future topic for this episode? Yeah, the future topic for this episode is a retrospective of Justice League: The Animated Series. Because this past week on Thursday, I believe was the official day. It's its fifteenth, fifteen year anniversary of when it first aired, and. It's a lot of 15-year anniversaries, I guess, <laughs> this year. I know. Xbox. <laughs> so the Justice League animated series is just as old as um, the, the um, yeah. Xbox. I forgot to say what we're talking about, it, but Final Fantasy X came out in 2001, so it's it's 15-year anniversary also. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, I think for me the biggest is Justice League, <laughs> that anniversary, because uh, the show was just so good. And I just remember kind of going back to what it was like from when I first saw it. I remember hearing about it a good while before it premiered. I don't remember exactly how long, if it was a year or so, but just being so excited that we're getting a Justice League show made by Bruce Timm and all the crew behind Batman the Animated Series, Superman, Batman Beyond, and it only seemed natural that their next show should be Justice League. And I remember like all these articles coming out before it premiered of how oh, this isn't going to be you know your daddy's super friend show, or it's like don't count on it being like that. It's going to be a more serious take. 
And of course, it had high expectations going into it, just because you know Bruce Timm's behind it, and it's with Kevin Conroy as Batman, and he's—I don't think they necessarily said it was in the same continuity just yet, but it eventually became known that it was part of the whole continuity of the DC animated universe. But when it first aired, I'm not sure if that was something that was set in stone because I remember Bruce Timm kind of saying they don't want to be tied down to continuity just yet, but. Uh, the masters that they are behind that show they made it all work <laughs> which is one of the things I love about it but I just remember just being so amped up for it waiting for the premiere I remember it was on a Saturday I believe it was in November yeah I'm looking up to date right now November 17th as since we're just celebrating the 50th anniversary obviously it's going to be in November but I can't remember the exact date but yeah it was a Saturday night it was a three part premiere of The Secret Origins kind of building up as a kind of a mini premiere movie and watching it I just remember there was it was really cool but there was just something about it that took a little bit to get used to I don't know what it was just the whole team dynamic maybe because this was kind of a criticism for season one was that they didn't quite nail the team interaction the dynamic just yet and but it kind of made sense though because they're all coming together for the first time Batman and Superman already knew each other which they played up in the premiere episode, which is cool. and But you got the introduction to Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter as far as being new characters introduced in this universe. I remember thinking that I was kind of surprised that they were making Wonder Woman the rookie hero along with uh, John Jones. Because I always figured that she would have been, you know, out there, but we just haven't seen her yet. But it was the invasion that caused her to leave the Mascara and come to our world and help the Justice League. And then you got Green Lantern, Flash, and Hot Girl as the ones who were established already in that universe. We just haven't seen them before. So it kind of took a few episodes and throughout the first season for them to gel. But when they did, especially in the second season, I mean, I think that season's pretty much perfect. There's not really a bad story arc in that whole season. Everything just clicked really well. The team dynamic, the action, the story, just everything. But don't want to sell season one short also because there were some great episodes in there but i remember that was kind of a criticism i remember reading online in the message board that it just didn't have the same you know quality and greatness i guess that people were expecting from the previous shows but they eventually got there but um yeah i just remember another thing i loved about the show and even before going into it was that it's going to be pretty much an hour-long episode even though they would split them up like you'd see part one one night. It was a weird schedule. Like part one would air Saturday with part two on Monday night. It was kind of weird. I wish they would have it where they just show the whole full two episodes and make it like an hour show. But when you get it on Blu-ray or DVD or whatnot, you just watch the two episodes. So it's like an animated series that's getting hour-long episodes. And it was really cool. Unfortunately, it only lasts two seasons because when it turned to Justice League Unlimited, they just went back to the 30-minute format. But I always loved how those first two seasons were you know, just hour-long animated stories that some we never got before for animated superhero television, which was really cool. So, yeah, I mean, from the year of 2001 to 2002, it was just a great time to watch this show. And Like I said, even though there were some episodes in the early going that kind of got off on a rocky start, some... But, see, I kind of want to make it sound like they were bad, because I still enjoy a lot of them. Episodes like War World, I know, gets a bad rap, but seeing Superman fight in that intergalactic arena was cool. And Blackest Night was uh, the second episode. It was had his cool Green Lantern moments but with the Manhunters, but I don't think not one of my personal favorites. But, again, but then you get episodes like Paradise Lost and Justice for All and 
the Savage Time season finale, Night of Shadows. There's a lot of good stuff there. So first season of Justice League had its ups and downs. And one of the big things, too, that was one of my main criticisms, and they definitely fixed in season two, was how they handle Superman. First off, his design I never really liked in season one. He kind of had those like jaw lines across his cheeks which made him look older, and they really weakened him up a little bit. Every other episode, he'd be getting blasted or taken out pretty quickly. He wasn't feeling like Superman, and I think Bruce Timm and company definitely heard that criticism because they fixed it in season two where he was a much better Superman, and he looked a lot better, too. They got rid of those uh, jaw lines that made him look younger and not as old. But And even – that was another thing, too, with uh, Superman. He had a new voice actor, George Newbern, not Tim Daly. And it took a few episodes for him to get into – the role of Superman, I have to say, because you can notice the progression from that first episode of Secret Origin up until like when the second season starts. It definitely feels more comfortable and more natural, where he became probably not as good as Tim Daly, but a good replacement later on, where you didn't even notice it that it was a different actor, but like you did in the first few episodes. So, yeah, those are some of the. I guess criticisms I had with the first season, but again, like I said before, just watching them again, I've probably rewatched them maybe about two years ago, and they just still hold up just as good as they did back in 2001. So uh, I ate it up as they first premiered and was eager to see every new episode, and it still remains one of the best superhero TV shows out there. And we'll get into some of what our favorite episodes are specifically, but. Dane, how about you when it first premiered? Were you, did you see it right away when it first aired, or did you kind of wait a little bit to when you first saw some episodes? So I, I guess this podcast is over <laughs> because I have to admit something, Tim. I've never seen the Justice League animated series. Really? No, we've had to talk about certain episodes over this podcast. Really? Well, I, I think it might have been just... The, the Justice League okay. Unlimited series? Well, I sh- maybe I should have said yeah. at the beginning, they're technically the two different series, but I kind of count it all as one because the first okay. one didn't really have a finale. They were going to get another season anyway. They just decided to change the title and expand the roster. So I still kind of count it yeah. as one series. So I think they did a, um, I think they did a retelling of For the Man Who Has Everything, yeah. the Superman story. Was that on yeah. Unlimited or was that on? Okay, so that's one of the only episodes I've ever. Yeah, I knew seen. you've seen one. <laughs> I knew there's stuff yeah. we talked about. <laughs> and I have to say, they did a good job adapting it to uh, um, a, a 22 minute show. Yeah, so that was pretty early on in Justice League Unlimited, and like I said, that's where they expanded the rosters and only made it a half-hour show instead of an hour, which I was a little disappointed with. But, man, some of those episodes, especially in that, I think it was the second season, where they got into the whole Cadmus arc, and they actually had a season-long uh, story that played out through multiple episodes. It was so good. I talked about how season two of Justice League, where they were firing on all cylinders there with that roster, and there was not a bad episode to me. The second season of Justice League Unlimited might have been... Well, no, I like season two better, but the Justice League Unlimited season with Cadmus, that's arguably one of the best ever because not the whole season dealt with that arc, but when it got to that point, it's some of the best stuff you're going to see. So 
Dane, if you're going to... First of all, I think you should watch the whole series from the beginning one day, but (laughs) to get your feet wet with some other great episodes in Unlimited, definitely check out... It's pretty much called the Cadmus arc, but officially on season two of Justice League Unlimited, but yet I think it's they're still on Netflix, if I remember right. But if you start off with the episode called uh, Clash all the way to the end, because then you get question authority, flashpoint, panic in the sky, divided we fall. Those are pretty much an all one long story arc that just plays out so good with Amanda Waller and trying to do her part for the government to take down the Justice League in case they go rogue. And you got a great question story in there. It's just so good. I don't want to say too much in case you do watch it because it's just so, so good. Yeah, I was about to say, I think it's on Netflix, but so. Justice League and uh, Justice League Unlimited, did did they do the Villain of the Week kind of thing? Or was it more like over a couple of weeks they tell a whole story? Justice League Unlimited was, uh, where it was more serialized. Yeah. Uh, the first two seasons of just Justice League was kind of you know episodic with just Villain of the Week type thing. But there's some big storylines in those first two seasons that come back into play later on in Justice League Unlimited, like in that Cadmus arc I was talking about. So... There's definitely stuff that in season one and two that comes to play later in some cool ways, especially in season two. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, definitely got to get on that, Dane. <laughs> what you get free time? <laughs> <laughs> I see, I, I, I've seen one of the movies, and I can't remember which one it was. Was it the um, Star Cross one where the Thanagarians invade Earth? Yeah, I don't know. Because the 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 DVD cover was um, the whole Justice League standing uh, in front of a blue background. <laughs> I think a lot of them are like that. <laughs> uh, oh, never mind. <laughs> never mind. But they did then. build that Starcross one, well, which was the season two finale, up as a movie, and they kind of released its own DVD of that. So that might be one that you're talking about. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I wish I knew which one it was so I could get a little more credibility <laughs> with you, Tim. <laughs> but I just can't remember. Yeah, but they released that in, I think, the first episode of Secret Origins as its own movie. So it's either one of those two, I think, <laughs> that you probably saw. Might be Secret Origins. I'm not sure. But just... What uh, what what happens in that one? That's where... Uh, the aliens who wiped out the Martians invade Earth, and John. That's where they first meet John Jones, and they all, like I said, Wonder Woman comes. Yeah, yeah, it was that one. Okay. It was that one, I think. Because I remember um, Martian Manhunter playing a big part in it. Yeah. Nope. It's it, it it's kind of like he's not part of the Justice League, but they find him, right? Correct. Yeah, like he he's kind of like sitting he on tries the moon to connect or with Superman. Like Superman gets these like intense headaches, like and he senses something wrong, and that's where he easily leads him to John Jones. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. What was great about the show, too, was just the roster. The first main group that they had was Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, Wally West, Flash. Then you got Hawkgirl and Martian Manhunter, which were kind of the two ones, I guess, they put in there that were a little different. Because, you know, with the big three, Green Lantern and Flash, they're always (laughs) part of the Jets League in one form or another. But... John, this was kind of my first big exposure to John Jones and the Martian Manhunter. I got an appreciation for him. Then Hawkgirl, too. I'm glad they went with Hawkgirl, not Hawkman, because her storyline throughout the whole series is really good as far as uh, being, you know, sent as a 
from Thanagar as a, for no, it's a, one of their detectives or a, a cop to kind of this is part of her mission to be there on Earth and to protect it. But it's later revealed in the season two finale where she was pretty much a spy for Thanagar. She was just there to infiltrate Earth and to because they needed that planet to, in their war against the. Oh, great, now I'm going to blank on their enemies that they fight in that series. But they're at war with this other alien race, and they needed Earth as a part of their weapon to destroy uh, their enemy they're fighting against, which would destroy Earth in the process. So she was pretty much always a double agent. She was with the Justice League, but she was feeding Thanagar with information, which, you know, turned into a betrayal with the League when that Star-Crossed episode happened, which was great. And she had a relationship with Jon Stewart, which worked pretty well until that whole betrayal happened. And then she slowly works her way back in, to the team in Justice League Unlimited. So she had a great arc throughout the whole course of the series. And that the Justice League Unlimited was cool, too, where it expanded the roster so much, where you get some episodes focusing on these lesser-known DC characters that for me at the time weren't that familiar with like uh, Booster Gold, he had his own episode with that, which was pretty cool where the Justice League's fighting off this big threat and he's helping this woman uh, find this, uh, ex- this totally separate experimental disaster that's going on that's even worse than what the Justice League's dealing with but they don't know about it and he just doesn't get the credit <laughs> that he deserves except for that one girl he helps, but it was a funny episode then you get ones like characters Hawk and Dove got featured in an episode uh, just other DC characters who were on the lower tier getting their due and getting their chance to shine and see why get exposed to fans who weren't too familiar with them was pretty cool so that's where I think Justice League Unlimited shine as well as getting some great arcs with Cadmus and then later on in their own version of the Legion of Doom so yeah with character wise they, they nailed the, the roster and like I said early on there was something that felt a little off about the dynamic but like I said they found their footing pretty quickly by the end and then season 2 they were just firing on all cylinders so great you see now I have to ask was everybody's favorite character in there oh you're you're gonna talk about Plastic Man aren't you of course (laughs) he was not in there I think I'm not 100% sure there might have been a licensing problem or a rights thing they couldn't use it because they did use Elongated Man quite a lot. <laughs> elongated, <laughs> elongated Man. So he he took the role of Plastic Man in the series. <laughs> so right, maybe you're not going to like it as much as I thought. Now, Dane. <laughs> oh, I guess not. Never mind. I'm not going to watch yeah. this. this uh, All this it was Plastic Man. <laughs> so yeah, Justice League. I love it. I. Loved it when I watched it. Loved it till this day, and it's always just go, great to go back and rewatch it and just really see how groundbreaking it was. I think because you weren't getting superhero stories like this as far as you know, the, like I said, the longer format. And then later on with that Cadmus arc, I mean, Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, they went to some you know uh, more adult stuff. I want to say necessarily dark stuff, but uh, Justice League Unlimited got some heavy stuff dealing with you know the government and the dealing with the Justice League and even a death of some characters and how the future would play out with Luthor as president and all that and just how Superman and the Justice League take matters to the extreme in a different universe with the Justice Lords which I'll talk about later on when I get to my favorite episodes but there's so much great heavy stuff that what happened in Justice League Unlimited so I think it was pretty groundbreaking at the time for an animated superhero show to do the stuff that it did with that so it's going to be forever remembered as 
a high point in the DC animated universe. And that's another great thing about it too, whereas this was the cap of the DC animated universe. What started with Batman, the animated series and concluded with justice league. And of course you had Superman and Batman beyond in the middle of that. But what was cool about it, (laughs) kind of a double-edged sword type of thing where, you know, the episode epilogue that dealt with uh, Terry finding out he's Bruce's son. That was meant as the final episode of justice league. And they made it, because it was supposed to wrap everything up in a nice bow that started in Batman the Animated Series. That's why it had the nod to the beginning of On Leather Wings. It'd be a nice callback to that, to have start, the DC Animated Universe start with that and then ended with that. So Epilogue was the perfect ending to wrap up the DC Animated Universe. But the problem was, they got ordered for another season. So <laughs> we had the third season of Justice Unlimited, which, like I said, a double-edged sword type of thing, where it kind of ruined the great ending that it had but yet we got more episodes and you don't want to complain about that so the final episode of the series Destroyer which dealt with Darkseid uh, fusing with Brainiac to become this all powerful being and finally taking over the whole planet Earth you had a planet wide scale of battles that were going on which was really cool and that has one of my favorite Superman moments ever where Darkseid is pretty much leveled Metropolis and the Daily Planet Superman just cuts loose he just tells them he has a great speech where he says, I always felt like I lived in a world made of cardboard, but because of what you did, you gave me the opportunity to cut loose and just show you how powerful I really am. And Superman just wailed to the dark side with a massive punch that descends his sonic vibrations across the whole city. It was just awesome to see Superman, like he said, cut loose and just show dark side that he really is more stronger than him. And it just took some weapon that Darkseid had hidden like a dirty fight move that he was able to stop Superman but that episode Destroyer ended with all the Justice League members and a lot of villains teaming up to fight Darkseid it was maybe more epic than Epilogue but not as emotional and as uh, neatly wrapping up a series as Epilogue was so it was a cool finale Destroyer to the series and the last shot did end with with zooming in on the bat symbol as he's running towards the camera which was kind of cool to tie it all back to Batman since his series started and all, but epilogue, I still consider it to be the final episode of the whole DC animated universe, because when I rewatch it, I save epilogue for very last after Destroyer, because <laughs> it just wraps everything up so perfectly. So, yeah, Justice League, a great series on its own, but then a great ending to the DC animated universe as a whole, and like I said at the beginning, I just gotta give my hats off to Bruce Tim and his team that was able to make all this continuity work from Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and Batman Beyond. There was that great episode where Batman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman travel to the future into the Batman Beyond universe, and you get young Bat, young Bruce interacting with the old Bruce, and it's just awesome. <laughs> and it all fits in glorious continuity where you can't, it doesn't really contradict itself. Maybe if you look really hard, you might find some things that don't make sense, but... Nothing that comes to my mind right now. I think they just did a marvelous job of having all these series be in the same universe and fitting into one big, awesome continuity. So that's another reason why I love it so much. But with that, as far as my overall thoughts on the series, i got to get into some of my favorite episodes. And Dane, pay attention because these are the ones, if you're going to start watching, but you don't want to get in or you don't have time to get into the whole series, definitely watch these episodes. <laughs> so Okay. My top three, I'm going to go with number three is going to be the episode called Twilight, which is a season two premiere that has to deal with uh, Darkseid actually asking the Justice League and Superman for help because Apocalypse is getting attacked from Brainiac. 
there's just some awesome stuff in there that goes into, like I mentioned, how it ties into stuff we've seen in Superman, the animated series. It ties into what Darkseid did to Superman in both the episodes Apocalypse Now and Legacy, the final Superman episode. So great! Some there's some awesome Superman Darkseid stuff in there, and then you get to see Batman on Apocalypse and New Genesis, and that's pretty awesome. So definitely check that one out. That's my third favorite. My second favorite, I'm going to cheat here because this is, I know a lot of people's favorite and I got to have it as in my top three, but the whole Cadmus arc in season two of Justice League Unlimited. So it's, it's quite a few episodes that make up that arc, but like I said, it really begins with the episode, I think, uh, Clash, which has Superman fighting uh, Captain Marvel, but that sets in motion some stuff with Luthor and Amanda Waller. But then the four-part story arc that plays out four episodes in a row begins with Question Authority, which is an awesome episode that features the Question as the main hero, Human Huntress, just kind of exposing Cadmus and Luthor for what they are and what they have planned. Then after that, there's the episode Flashpoint, Panic in the Sky, Divided We Fall. So those four episodes, or I should say five, but in the middle of between Clash and Question Authority, there's an episode called Hunter's Moon, which uh, deals with uh, Hawk Girl and uh, I believe she teams up with Vixen in that one, but it has nothing to really too much to play with that Cadmus arc. So, really, the five episodes would be Clash, Question Authority, Flashpoint, Panic in the Sky, Divided We Fall. Those five of season two of Justice League Unlimited are just some of the best superhero storytelling you're ever going to see. But my number one favorite episode, and it also ties into the Cadmus stuff because it sets up a lot, is the season two episode, A Better World which deals with the parallel universe of the Justice Lords. And man, this episode gets off to an awesome start. <laughs> you see the White House being under attack, but it's being under attack by Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman because they're going after President Luthor because he just, they don't say what just yet, but he does something that sets Superman off <laughs> that makes him like, he, Luthor has to be taken out. And Luthor kind of calls him out, oh, what are you going to do? Just, you know, take me in, like, that whole thing, you're not going to kill me, so Superman knows you're right. So what does he do? He just fries him <laughs> with his laser beam. He just, you don't see it, of course, but you see the smoke becoming out behind the desk and the look on Batman and Wonder Woman's face are just like in shock and they ask Superman, are you alright? He's all I'm fine, or never better. And that's where the Justice League sets up, you know, they're the ruling force over the world and while they think it's a better world, that's uh, people not having freedom. And they get their, their lives are pretty much almost getting bored in a way because everything's perfect and peaceful. So they kind of see how they can help uh, other worlds, and they see the Justice League, the main Justice League Earth of where our the show is on, and they see you know that Luthor is still free and, or still alive. So they figured you know they'll offer to help, help them out, but they play a ruse by telling the Justice League, "Our is under attack. We need your help." So the main Justice League team goes to that parallel Earth, but the Justice Lords capture them, and they go in and invade the main Earth Prime and to try to install their rule over there. And when the Justice League has to try to escape that parallel Earth and try to stop the Justice Lord. But what makes this episode so great has one of my favorite Batman moments ever, where the Justice Lord Batman and the main Batman face off in the Batcave in an awesome fight. And the as well as awesome as the fight was, the dialogue that they had is just awesome because the Justice Lords Batman trying to show the main Batman like our my way is perfect. 
Batman's no, there's no free will, there's no freedom. And then the, the Justice Lord Batman says the one thing that <laughs> made Batman stop in his tracks and kind of agree with him for a bit. He just goes, I created a world where no eight-year-old boy will ever have to worry about losing his parents to some punk with a gun. And that the look on Batman's face as he says that, his eyes just wide open. He has a battering ready to throw, but he just drops it and tells the Justice Lord Batman, all right, you win. It's just, I just love how that's the only thing that's going to get Batman to stop. But yet he still agrees or he's able to change the Justice Lord's opinion as far as this not being the right way because deep down the Justice Lord Batman knows that his parents would not be proud of the world he created and what he did so he helps the Justice League get back to their Earth and take down the Justice Lords there with the help of Lex Luthor because they kind of Superman had to say we can't break the rules like the Justice Lords are doing but we have to do something to bend it we got to do some type of extreme and they are able to get Luthor to help because he has a deep power depowerizing weapon that takes away the Justice Lord's power so the events from that have long lasting effects down the line with Luthor and him becoming president and leading up to the whole Cadmus arc with Amanda Waller and all the seeds were planted in this episode of a better world so as cool as it was to see Justice League members fighting each other or different Earth versions that whole Batman sequence was just awesome where you just the ideologies of Batman are all coming are fighting with each other one has an extreme way and one's still trying to do it uh, the way that he knows that works but it all comes down to <laughs> that moment with his parents that I just love so that's why A Better World is my number one spot for my favorite Justice League episode but there's so many great episodes in there like I mentioned Paradise Lost having to do with Wonder Woman is a great one The Injustice for All with the Injustice game is great episodes only in dream that deal with dr destiny attacking the justice league members in their dreams and batman has some great moments in there as he's the only one not affected because he's doing everything he can not to fall asleep <laughs> so there's a lot of great episodes throughout all the seasons so those are my top three but you're not going to go wrong with checking out all these episodes because there's maybe just one or two that i don't really like <laughs> out of i don't know what the final count was i don't think it was quite made it to 100 but it was pretty close so this overall, you're not going to find a better series than what you got with Justice League that has to deal with these many heroes. So it's it's well earned its reputation for being one of the best animated series out there. I'm just wondering, what's your what's one episode that you just can't get into? There's this one in Justice League Unlimited that's called. Oh, I'm trying to find on this list here. I think it's called Patriot Act. Yeah, it's called Patriot Act. It deals with uh, there's a parade going it's all these like D-level heroes that don't really do that much because all the other Justice League members are doing their own thing you got like Speedy in there the cowboy hero Vigilante the Shining Knight they're top, the, stopping the Shaggy Man who's this general who takes this old kind of like Nazi super soldier serum it's just not one of my favorite episodes there's a lot of cheesy moments with little kids there like they get this help from a little kid working a bulldozer which just <laughs> looks stupid it's a lot of cheesy moments in that episode that's probably my least favorite one out of the whole Justice League series called Patriot Act so if you're going through a day and you can skip that one <laughs> yeah. skip that one <laughs> but uh, got some responses on Twitter when I put the word out that I'm going to be talking about Justice League a lot of responses yeah we got a lot of great responses so Going to share those for what some of our Twitter followers' favorite episodes are. 
first up, we got um, our buddy Josh Paul Hawkins, who says, uh, The Savage Time, despite the lack of Batman, the lack of Batman, that was an awesome three-parter with an Elseworlds Dark Knight. Yeah, The Savage Time was the season one finale that dealt with the Justice League going back to World War II to stop Vandal Savage because he's taking over uh, the Nazis and giving them you know more uh, advanced weaponry from the future. And that was a cool one. And then he also says the Justice Lords, which was the Better World story arc, which I was just talking about, and I 100% agree. And then we also got a response from Chris Rodriguez, who uh, says, first off, uh, he did ask if Justice League Unlimited count, and yeah, <laughs> like I said before, I count both series are just one big epic Justice League series, despite the name change. He's, his favorite one is Epilogue, which he says is the best Batman episode ever. And then Craig says Grudge Match um, if, was great if you're including Justice League Unlimited, which we are. Grudge Match was one that dealt with the, the villain Roulette, who has this you know superhero fight club, and that dealt with Black Canary and Huntress, and then infiltrating that fight club and then having to fight Wonder Woman at the end who uh, was kind of being mind controlled and there were some pretty awesome fight sequences in that episode with Black Canary and Huntress that one is definitely up there as far as action goes and there's actually even a Nightwing cameo just like you see the shadow of him because they're in Bloodhaven if I remember it's that episode then we got Brian Martini who says the episode where they introduced the Suicide Squad and that one was another Justice League Unlimited episode called Task Force S which was one where I kind of my early, I wouldn't say it's my first exposure to the Suicide Squad or Task Force X, but it was one of my earliest ones where I kind of appreciated what was behind it, you know, with Amanda Waller getting Rick Flag to get these uh, criminals to do the government's work to get some time off their sentence. And I like the roster that they had too on there. It had Deadshot, Rick Flag, um, had the villain Plastique, and then a character who <laughs> I don't think. I remember being part of the Suicide Squad or has been part of it ever since, but the Clock King was one of the teams there. He was kind of the guy who stayed like on in the in the base and fed them information on how to proceed and where to go in the Justice League Watchtower because the Suicide Squad was infiltrating the Watchtower to just to take back the suit that Amanda Waller Amanda Waller wanted. So that was a pretty cool episode and a good introduction to the Suicide Squad even though they couldn't call him Suicide Squad on the show. <laughs> they were only referred to as Task Force X. And then Agent 37 says the whole Cadmus arc was amazing. He says it's one of my favorite out of any superhero movies or shows. He said he just watched them again last week, so pretty familiar on Cadmus arc like I talked about. And it is, He's right. It is one of the best superhero stories ever. And Jordan Valdez says the Starcross three-parter and Comfort and Joy are personal favorites. Yeah, Starcross was the Thanagar invasion, which revealed a hot girl to be a traitor. That has some great moments of the Justice League out of costumes. There's this great moment in there where they were saying, okay, we got to take off our costumes. The Thanagarians know what we look like. We got to kind of blend in with the crowd. And Flash is all, hey, like, I know we're friends, but are you sure you want to expose our secret identities? And then just Bruce out of the blue just goes, you're Wally West. He's Clark Kent. And he just takes off his mask, and I'm Bruce Wayne. Just showing that despite Flash trying to keep his secret identity. Bruce already knew who he was. <laughs> that was an awesome moment. The great stuff with Alfred and Flash in that episode, too. And then Jordan also says um, he also counts Epilogue as one of the best uh, episodes out there also. And then if I can find it real quick, I know we got a response from Richard Church, who says that 
Oh, Epilogue is his favorite, if counting Justice League Unlimited. So a lot of love for Epilogue and Cad- the Cadmus arc, which is all part of that second season of Justice League Unlimited, for good reasons. Like I said, they're just great storytelling for superheroes. So thanks, everybody, for responding. Like I said, I had a great response, and glad so many people feel the same way about Justice League that I do, and just how when we get to its 50th anniversary, we'll be still talking about how good, good it is, and... I'm probably going to say we're sure we're going to get other Justice League shows like Justice League Actions coming out uh, in a few weeks, but I don't think it's going to be hard for any show to match what this series did as far as quality and its characters. So if we're going to be talking about this show for a very, very long time. I guess I have to watch uh, Epilogue. Just as a Batman fan, you got to watch Epilogue, yeah. Because <laughs> like I said, it, it's a wrap on the whole Batman animated series universe. It's Pins a nice wraps a nice bow around it. <laughs> but um, speaking of animated series, Tim, are you excited? I'm excited because I never thought it was going to happen. <laughs> okay, uh, Young Justice is coming back for season three. Um, I'm guessing on Cartoon Network or is it going to Netflix? No, they actually said Greg Wiseman said it's not going to be on Cartoon Network. They don't have a new network yet or where it's going to air but said it's definitely not Cartoon Network oh I I mean I just assume because um, Cartoon Network is or it originally aired on Cartoon Network and then they were saying Netflix that was a possibility because I think Netflix is what helped get this third season back because it was getting a lot of views from fans and people who've never seen it before so it played a big role in it yeah so Tim, how excited are you? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably be more excited if it was the Justice League series coming back, but <laughs> this is, might be the next best thing because what was worse about the cancellation of Young Justice was that it ended on a cliffhanger. We were just about to get a, a third season dealing with Apocalypse and Dark Side, if I remember right, because it's been a while since I saw that last episode. But it was Dark Side on Apocalypse that you saw. And it was like, because uh, before the episode aired, we knew it was canceled already, so we knew that was it. It was like, why do you have to end like that? So I'm excited to we're going to tell that story. And I'm just really happy that the fans got the show back. I mean, the support it got on Twitter, the keeping the talk going around for it, even long it was after it aired, that last episode, and watching it on Netflix, like I said, that's what really helped it. And just keeping the discussion going and the fans getting their voices heard. This is one of the rare examples where you know the fans not giving up on a show and trying to do their part to get it back actually worked because without the fans this wouldn't be happening and I'm kind of surprised by that I kind of accepted that this isn't going to happen because the show came out in 2010 I think the final episode aired in 2012 2013 I believe so it's been a few years and I just kind of got had to accept that Young Justice is done so this was a really pleasant surprise because I wasn't expecting it, and the uh, the fact that it's the fans who got this back, I think, is just awesome. So, we don't have a premiere date yet, but I know <laughs> whenever it does come on, there's gonna me and a bunch of other fans are gonna be watching it and tuning in, whether it's on a network uh, or on Netflix. Either way, we're just gonna eat it all up <laughs> when it finally airs. That's good. Yeah, so hopefully, um, I'm, I'm also right. hopefully it's not just one season. If it does good, it'll be multiple seasons. So I'm curious if it's just yeah. kind of, okay, we'll give you the budget to finish off the season, but that's it. But hopefully if, if the season three is a success, it can keep going. 
Yeah, hopefully it does, because apparently a lot yeah. of people like uh, Young Justice. So exactly. why not? Yeah, hopefully it, the numbers do good. It doesn't come down to toys or whatnot, like it was a Cartoon Network. <laughs> um, our second piece of news is the uh, Batman Telltale series uh, episode four trailer. And release date. It's coming out um, next yeah, week. Yeah, a few more days. That's what's great wow. about these announcements. They're yeah. so close <laughs> for the Telltale game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Tim, what did you think of the uh, trailer? I think the word I'd use is surprise, <laughs> because yeah. just by itself, the trailer this looked like another great continuation of the series that you and me both love. It's going to be Bruce and Arkham. Looks like a good portion of it, but. They revealed, I mean, we were wondering about this, if they were going to bring him in this season, and they are, the Joker is going to make his debut in episode four. And it looks like it's just going to be him in Arkham. He's an inmate talking with Bruce. And I am just excited and curious to see how they're going to take do their take on the Joker. And they've definitely earned the benefit of the doubt that even though it's probably going to be different, it's going to be something cool because everything they've done so far with like Penguin, Two-Face, Bruce, the Wayne family, Vicky Vale, they just knocked it out of the part with the different twists they've had on these characters in this story. So I think they're going to do it with the Joker. But my only thing is, why'd they have to show him in the trailer? <laughs> Imagine how cool it would be we're just playing a game, we're in Arkham, and the Joker shows his face. I, my, my mouth probably would have dropped if that happened because we were talking about Dane... Uh, past episodes where we just felt like they're building up towards the Jokers maybe being the main villain for the second season because it's pretty early on in Batman's career and so I wasn't expecting him to show up three episodes in but he's going to be in episode four and it makes you think is it going to be something that's like the Dark Knight where Batman has nothing to do with the origins of the Joker where he didn't cause him to fall into the chemicals and get his skin bleached is he just going to show up but He's in Arkham already, so he had to get caught somehow. So it's definitely going to be different. I'm just really curious to see how they're going to do this their version of the Joker because it looks like it's going to be having nothing to do with Batman being part of his origin. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Unless it happened pretty early on in his career and we just didn't see it because it happened before this game started. But it's hard to imagine that they'd skip over that. So I don't know. What do you think? How his story is going to play out? It might be the same way because, I mean, um, it, it, it might be the classic story where he falls into the, the vat of chemicals um, because he doesn't know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. Yeah. So he could just be talking to Bruce Wayne, right? Yeah, that's true. I just meant from a from a Batman standpoint, yeah. like, you think he'd... Because all these new villains and threats that are popping up seem to be happening for the first time, so it is pretty early on. And I just kind of have a hard time thinking that the Joker wasn't there already, because you think he'd mention him in certain aspects, or recall to his experience with that. I mean, I don't know, it's, that's what I'm so fascinated about, how they're going to bring the Joker into this. I just can't wait to find out the reasoning. Because right now, it just is feels he... a little strange that he's already in Arkham, and Batman's still pretty yeah. early on in his career. Well, I think it might be that it, it has nothing to do with Batman, and this is the first time that Bruce is seeing the Joker, or maybe he heard rumors. And I think they put him in this game, in this episode, 
for next season. He's going to be the villain for next season. Yeah, I I hope so because it seems like it'd be a natural yeah. progression that way. Or maybe if it's even somewhere, it's in Bruce's head because we know he's been infected with that toxin. <laughs> so, in some strange ways, like a foreshadowing of what his greatest enemy is going to be. I don't know. Oh, That'd be yeah. Kind of, yeah, you're <laughs> a right. Unique way to do that too. <laughs> or the first time he meets the Joker yeah. directly in his head, and then when he realizes he's actually real, what's another shot for him? That's, that's yeah, I don't know if they go that route, but <laughs> they're, they're taking some risks before, so you never know. Yeah. But my first reaction, of course, was why do we need Joker in this story? I mean, he's in all three Arkham games. You know, we've seen him everywhere, yeah. right? In every game. Why is he in this one? But but then I, I kind of thought about it, and it seems like Telltale, with all of the villains, you know, with Dent, with, with uh, Selina, with Penguin, it seems like they take these villains, they do something completely different, mm-hmm. right? So... Yeah, I'm kind of excited. I'm kind of excited. I'm I'm really excited to see what they're gonna how they're gonna change the Joker the the Joker story. Yeah, it's one of those things where I agree what you were saying. The story wasn't like it was dragging so much. Like, oh, it needs a big thump. It needs a big presence like the Joker. It was doing fine on its own. I mean, we've gushed about how much we're loving the story, and now we're just engrossed in it. So it didn't necessarily need him, but at the same time. They're, they've shown that they know what they're doing with the story so <laughs> I think there's going to be a pretty good reason why he's showing up at Arkham so yeah, I'm excited for it yeah, definitely um, so yeah, that's our last piece of news um, we can get into I, I guess we can get into our conversation with Alex slash listener feedback yep. Tim and I accidentally I mean I lost uh, Alex's email <laughs> I just I can't find it. Uh, I was trying to find it the whole time you were talking. But um, Did you want to read uh, Alex's email? Yeah, I'll go ahead and read it. Since I okay. it up. Yeah. Alex says, Howdy, Bat Deputies. That was a mighty fine episode you had there last time. <laughs> sorry, I had to read it. <laughs> that accent. That's he's writing it. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dane, for writing all those movie quotes. Why was I cursed to be such a Dorcas Malarcus? <laughs> uh, I Another good Simpson reference right there from Alex. Uh, I'm not even a nerd because nerds are smart. It's what I get for dropping out of middle school. Kids, if you're listening, I know I'm all that. But stay in school until at least 8th grade, then drop out. They'll learn you well enough. Thanks for the review of episode 3. I got it right this time, of the Telltale Batman game. I don't know what the whole night Catwoman wouldn't forget was about, though. Did your Batman show her the exorcist? (laughs) That's a night I will never forget. Oh man, it still keeps me up at night. Also, I used to see this woman who was in the white outline like a ghost or something, and then in a big wisp white hand. Woo, Nelly, I won't forget that. Well, that was during the day, actually. I thought about it at night, though. It was in my grandpa's attic. That was a scarifying place. As soon as I was dropped off, I'd run and lock myself into a room and push furniture against the wall because my... Wait, you said something about underwear and spending the night in their apartment? It sounds like some weird hippie nonsense. He probably took advice from Tom King Hippie Bane. <laughs> if he could afford such a clean-shaven head, he can afford some pants by a cracky. <laughs> and you said that's what turned Harvey to Two-Face? I mean, it sounds weird, but not enough to drive a man evil. 
did the underwear say something offensive like Harvey's mom is smelly? <laughs> I don't know. This is why I don't play video games. Actually, I don't play video games because I'm a Jedi and I can't get attached to things. Okay, actually, it's because I have OCD. So I guess I'm like Batman. Yes, clearly, I am like Batman. I say cool stuff all the time when I fight. Like, you'll stay scared, won't you, hippie? Sometimes I say it in a British accent, which, I gotta say, is a lot less scary than you think. So I don't use it often. Maybe it's because I don't have teeth, stained teeth. I'm just kidding, British people. Or UK folk, as we Yanks say. You might say I was yanking your chain. Yuck, yuck. <laughs> Man, Alex is on a roll with the jokes and uh, references <laughs> this email. <laughs> And in regards to the surgeons' comparisons to the DC movie directors, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. You let them do their thing, and next thing you know, you wake up with your underwear missing. Where did my underwear go, Dr. K? Where did my underwear go? I hope the DC movies are good enough. I was very fortunate that I got to see two movies this year, and I'll be lucky if I see Rogue One. So if I don't see a movie, I don't mean it don't mean nothing. I hope I do, because I love Vader. Oh, by the way, Luke is my favorite Star Wars character. But I was just hoping that you do uh, the Lord Vader Emperor voice. <laughs> but nope, you're like the Bane for the Dark Knight Rises. Give me hope to crush my dreams. <laughs> crush them good. Yuck, yuck. Or maybe Vader is my favorite. I just wanted to say yuck, yuck for a third time. <laughs> Stay in school, kids. So the theme of Alex's email, underwear, underwear situations and yuck, yuck. <laughs> but uh, his questions for this uh, email are, the first one is, do you guys think the Joker simply chooses evil or he has a mental illness that's inf- influencing him? I think he be an illin villain. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's a little of both, actually. Joker is evil. When I think of my all-time favorite villains, Joker is always number one because I think he is just pure evil. But there's something not right in his head there that's making him evil, too. So I think it's a balance of both where it's just evil in him but kind of like in the killing joke and maybe there was something that set him off or that that caused his mental illness or like in the dark night they just say he just likes to watch the world burn so i think it's a combination of both but just more into him being evil more than a mental illness but i think it does play a part yeah i mean it's got to be both right but if if you were to ask me i mean if you you were to ask me uh, to pick one, I'd say something's wrong with him mentally. I think that's his problem. That's a big problem. All right. And the second question is, what was the happiest and angriest moment for Batman? So, Dan, I'll let you go first on this one. What was his happiest and angriest moment in Batman for you? Uh, per, perchance the dream before everything started ah, going good one. crazy. Um, also, with Angela and... Uh, uh, Mask of the Phantasm. Andrea, you mean? Uh, Andrea, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> uh, angriest? Um, hmm. Not really angriest, but maybe saddest is uh, A Lonely Place of Dying. So, yeah, probably that. For me, you had two good ones for the happiness part, but I had two other ones. One of them is... From yours are actually better than mine, but the one that came to my mind seeing Bruce Happy was in the animated series episode called Chemistry, where Poison Ivy creates like the perfect wife for him, but he doesn't know that she's a Poison Ivy creation. But seeing him in love and happy was something we never got to see in Batman the Animated Series. Even Tim makes a note about it, like uh, 
Bruce was he was saying something about how he's feeling like he doesn't know this feeling that he has and Tim just jumps out it's called happiness he never experienced that before or something like that so that was one and then also in The Dark Knight Rises at the end where he's with Selina he fulfilled his mission what he set out to do in that iteration of Batman as far as being an inspiration and saving the city he was content uh, so he, and Alfred got to see him happy so I think that was another happy moment for Batman and then Angriest, I'm going to go with in Nightfall where Scarecrow uses his fear gas on Batman and it makes him remember the death of Jason Todd and he just starts beating down on the Joker and just starting yelling Jason's name. That was, I mean, that's kind of where all the pressure that was building up for Batman during that Nightfall arc and then remembering Jason Todd's death is kind of what pushed him to the breaking point and set him off and just really beat down on the Joker. So that was one that always stood out to me as Batman just really being angry about with the Joker for what he did to Jason so that would probably be my pick for his angriest moment and then his third question what's the craziest thing that Batman has done besides allow Robin to wear those booties <laughs> I don't know it's kind of hard to top that <laughs> but I don't know, Dane, what do you think is Batman's craziest moment um yeah you see that's a t- that's the tough yes, one. Is, yeah. right there. <laughs> um, his craziest moment. You know what? How about putting that giant penny in the <laughs> T-Rex in the back cave? I mean, how did... I mean, I guess... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably his craziest moment. Crazy, but it looks cool. <laughs> I'm going to go with the Batman of Zurin R. And it kind of goes to... Batman actually being crazy, like his defense he has for losing his mind, <laughs> creating the Batman of Zero and R, and that might talk it to him. That was pretty crazy to read during that uh, Batman R.I.P. story arc that Grant Morrison did, so I'll go with that one. And then Alice concludes with a yippee kaye, oh Sheriff Al. <laughs> so thank you, Sheriff, for sending in an email and more great questions that cause us to think and not have an easy answer like you always do so <laughs> i will look forward to your next one yeah um he he did send a follow-up email which, which I, I found say, which i trust you have uh, <laughs> yeah no well it's it's two okay. separate emails um he says hey guys i completely forgot that this is the last podcast before thanksgiving and if i'd known i wouldn't have clowned around so much in my last email i just want to thank you guys for being you I'm so grateful for what you do, and I wanted to let you know that you guys are heroes to me. Though through your optimistic attitudes, you've inspired me each and every episode. I haven't met met people like you in my life, and unless you're doped up hippies, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You guys are super strong people. Being a light in the darkness is probably the hardest thing one can do, and you guys continue continue to be that light. After talking to you guys on on the podcast episode, I was up at night for the first time that wasn't because I was having nightmares, anxiety, pain, or sadness. I was up because I was happy. If it wasn't for my sister getting married and a certain someone getting off from prison recently, I would have said you made my year. It was certainly the most fun I had in many years. Thank you so much, Dane and Tim. Happy Thanksgiving and happy appreciate the thought day, Tim. <laughs> Man, Alex, those words mean a lot. I mean, I'm- it means a lot to me that we had that effect on you and that our podcast of just hearing me and Dane goof around and talk Batman and other stuff just lifts you up and, like you said, creates positivity for you. That means a lot. It's real humbling. And uh, as much as you 
appreciate our show. Uh, I appreciate you listening and just saying those kind words so much. It does mean a lot. So thanks a lot to you, Alex, and just for being with us all those years too. <laughs> it means a lot to us as well. Yep. And if it wasn't for Alex, it wouldn't be a podcast episode, right? Tim? Be the same. Nope. Like we said, we'd have to cancel it. <laughs> yep. So thank you, Alex, for everything that Definitely. you do, especially with your questions. I mean, you stumped us on this as, one. Uh, right? As like most of the times that he does. <laughs> right. So thank you, Alex. Um, I guess we can move on to bad fat. Uh, <laughs> I was calling him bad fan Jordan. Jordan's email. Um, and I guess I'll read okay. this one too. Sounds good. He says, hey, Tim and Dane. Congratulations on getting your Batman animated book signed by Kevin Conroy, Thank Tim. Thank you, Jordan. From the, <laughs> from the sound of it, that was already an amazing piece of Batman memorabilia. But now it's on a whole nother oh, level. Oh, yes. Like I think I said this one the last episode where it's not it's not on my bookshelf anymore. It's wrapped. It's in a covering, put away in like a dresser drawer all by itself, where nothing can touch it. <laughs> where I don't know if I'm going to touch it ever again because I don't want to ruin it any way possible. Wow, that Wonder Woman trailer was incredible. The opening shot of Diana looking over the beach on Themyscira, as she says, "I used to want to save the world. This beautiful place is breathtaking." All the all the action looks so intense and awesome. I understand Dane's worry about there being too much slow-mo in the film, but all the slow-mo shots in the trailer worked so well for me that it's hard uh, for me to knock it. Every time Wonder Woman deflects a bullet, I get so hype. I'm glad that even after the second tra- trailer, we still don't know much at all about the plot. We don't even know who the villain is. I was able to speculate on a few things, though. I think the Amazon who ziplines down as a bullet heads towards her gets hit and probably dies. That would prob- that will probably be the first glimpse Diana gets of how dangerous the outside world is. And I'm guessing it's the first time she witnesses what a gun can do. I think that the movie, w- I think that the movie will, will be bookended by modern day scenes because of Wonder Woman's status in Batman vs Superman. I'm get. I'm guessing the film doesn't end on a completely positive note as Diana must experience things in this film that make her want to walk away from man's world. I just can't wait for June. Yeah. Just real quick, I was going to say, I totally agree with Jordan said yeah. about that moment in the trailer where there's that Amazon who zips lines down in slow motion that she probably does get killed by that bullet. And that's like the first experience that Wonder Woman has of seeing those type of weapons. I don't think I mentioned it on the last episode, but I thought the same thing when I saw it. And then when Jordan said that, I was like, yeah, I totally agree 100%. That's probably going to set her off, or one of the reasons that makes her feel she has to do something to stop this. And like you, I can't yeah, wait for and <laughs> yeah. yeah, but what he was saying about the plot um, not being shown in the trailer, I don't know. Should I be, uh, you know, Scared about that? No, I don't think so. I think for us comic book fans who know Wonder Woman's story, we know pretty much what the generic plot yeah. is going to be. But it's kind of when she gets yeah. to Man's World, as far as how things are going to play out in there, I think are still going to be a little bit of a mystery. Right. Um, well, anyway, he says, to tide us over in the meantime, of course, we've got the Lego Batman movie. 
Now, I feel the same way about the LEGO DC stuff as I do about Batman 66, which is that while comedic interpretations of these characters are never going to be my favorites, but I just try to take them for what they are and enjoy them. And actually, I was quite impressed by the new trailer. Pretty much all the jokes landed for me. It's quite funny how they're really playing Batman up as a super conceited loner. <laughs> the, the line that made me laugh the most was, Nope, now it's snake clowns because you put that idea in my head. <laughs> Will Arnett's uh, delivery on all his lines is so good. I also find it interesting how they're going, uh, how they're going the Batman Beyond route and having Barbara Gordon as the commissioner. That's true, yeah. I did find that curious. It's- why they're using Barbara Gordon as a commissioner. Even just based on the trailers, it's pretty evident that this film is going to be chock full of Easter eggs, and it's going to be so much fun seeing them all. Okay, the news that shined even brighter than those two trailers for me, and that's quite a feat, was that Young Justice is getting a third season. With triple exclamation points, I should add it. (laughs) (laughs) This is something I've been hoping and campaigning for for so long, and it's surreal to me that it's finally official. It shows how much of a voice fans actually have. There were so many things left unresolved at the end of of Season 2, and I'm overjoyed that we're going to get to see them play out. Dane, if there there were ever ever a time for you to catch up on the first two seasons, it's now. Well, you see, I would agree with Jordan... On that, but now that you yeah. haven't pretty much seen any of Justice League, I think that should be your first show yeah. <laughs> before Young Justice. You see, I get I get uh, yelled at by you, Tim, for not seeing <laughs> Justice League, and I get yelled at by Jordan for not seeing Young Justice. Just watch him, Dane, and we will stop yelling at you. Well, I'll probably <laughs> find something else to yell at you about, but. <laughs> yeah. um, Jordan says, uh, all right, believe it or not, I think we're even further apart in our our opinions of Tom King's Batman now that we were uh, not – oh, sorry. Let me read that again. All right, believe it or not, I think we're even further apart in our opinions of Tom King's Batman now than we ever were during the uh, I Am Gotham arc. I'm – I absolutely loved Batman number 10. Spoilers, having characters repeat key lines of dialogue is actually something King has done, has been doing since Rebirth began. He did it in the I Am Gotham arc with both Batman and Gotham Girl. Batman's little speech to Bane is the most prominent example of it, though. But I thought it really worked to show how determined Batman is on the mission. I was, a, I was under the impression that Nightfall it happened in, in this con- continuity, but maybe you guys are right, and it hasn't. The confusion of the New 52 still lingers at times. I just thought that Batman's emphasis on breaking Bane's back implied he wanted to return the favor. King said Batman's willpower would be a huge focus in this arc, and I think that really came across when Batman put his back back in place by hanging off the wall in the cell. Who else but Batman can do that? My favorite part of the issue, Catwoman's letter. I I honestly didn't realize who the letter was written by until pretty far into the issue. But but, But when I did, it was such an amazing realization. King must have a lot of game with the ladies because that was an absolutely beautiful love letter. 
the way Catwoman describes how she and Batman are different because he got to experience having a loving family before losing them, whereas she didn't, was very interesting to me. I also love the connection we learned she had to him because of the orphanage. By the time the letter ends on the final page with that line, maybe, uh, maybe then the kiss will finally last. I was in tears. I'm getting the feeling that King may be about to give us the best Bat-Cat story in uh, the comics since Hush, especially if the end of the letter foreshadows the end of the arc in any way. Yeah, so you're right, Jordan, that we are more split in opinions <laughs> on the story arc than we were for I of Gartham, because it's cool that you like Batman number 10, but like I said in the review of the last episode, that whole Bruce repeating that line of dialogue just did not work for me. Just sent out a character, and although you said that it was kind of a pattern that Tom King has used in the I Am Gotham story, but maybe I just didn't pick up on it, and it didn't stand out as much as it really did in issue number ten. Like you said, it was more prominent in this issue, and I thought it took away from the story. And then I agree with everything you said about that letter from Catwoman. Great stuff, but. They should have saved it for another issue. I just did not feel it felt right to say that in what was going on in the pages of Batman getting into Santa Prisca and meeting with Bane. I just felt they should have been saved later because it was good stuff that just didn't fit with the rest yeah. of the story. So it's uh, such a hit and miss, Tom King, for me so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think this is an appropriate place to, to say um, I'm not going to be picking up Batman anymore. It's just not my my story, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's not what I like to read, and maybe if uh, Tim starts starts like um, Tom King's Batman, maybe I'll start picking it up again. But as for right now, I think I'm just gonna have to just wait until I, I find a story that I truly like. Um. But anyway, uh, Jordan goes on to say, uh, I wanted to pitch in on Alex's question about most memorable movie lines. And no surprise, they're all from Batman films. His third is Batman. Uh, Men are so good. We fight, we kill, we betray uh, one another, but we can rebuild. We can do better. We will, we have to. Batman versus Superman. His second is Commissioner Gordon. He's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. So we'll hunt him because he can take it because he's not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a, watch pro, a watchful protector, a dark knight. The dark you know, knight. When I read that, I was like, I kind of felt dumb for not saying that in Alex's question on the last episode. Cause <laughs> I remember hearing that for the first time. I would just, hearing Gordon say those lines in particular, just so great. Perfectly describing Batman and using the dark knight as the final words of that movie was just brilliant. So thank you, Jordan, for <laughs> reminding me of that and how I should have said that in the last episode because it is so great. It's such a great yeah. ending to that whole movie. Um, but but his first, I mean, I mean, his, uh, his favorite quote from a Batman movie is uh, from Bruce Wayne. It's, please, I need to be different now. I know I made a promise, but it, I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. Please tell me that it's okay. And Andrea Beaumont, Andrea, not Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they already have. Maybe they send me for Mask of the Phantasm. That's another great uh, one too. You know, such 
Yeah. One of the saddest moments you'll ever see for Bruce Wayne, especially knowing, even though it has a happy ending in that sequence where Andrea comes, but it doesn't work yeah. out in the end still. Um, but finally, a couple of questions for you guys. Uh, his first question is, what did you think of the newly released clips from Justice League action? I still love the characters designs. It's great to hear Conroy and Hamill back as Batman and Joker respectively. Batman's meeting with Falcone is a highlight for me since Falcone is a favorite villain of mine and one who hasn't gotten much screen time in animation. Was he in uh, the animated series? He was, right? No, he wasn't. Yeah. The main crime boss was Rupert Thorne. Yeah, Rupert Thorne. Uh, But my, my biggest complaint is that some of the villains are just too goofy. Like Chrono sounds like a like an eight year old kid. And seriously, Toy Man's plan is to force the Justice League members to dance. I I am excited for the series, but I wish they had gone a little less silly than they seem to have. Um, I'm going to try my best to keep my complaints above that to a minimum, though, since WB Animation granted my Young Justice wish. <laughs> yeah, I did see those. Justice League action clips, and I really like them. I know what you mean. That was some stuff were a little silly. I especially agree with you on Kronos. His voice didn't have to be that extreme and sounding that like that, but it was a little distracting. I will say, but like you said, hearing Kevin Conroy's voice sounds awesome. The, the character designs are great, and the story seems cool. Like you said, like that they're he's dealing with Falcone in that one clip in the past where he has his old uh, classic, you know, Bob Kane design and Bill Finger design Batman suit, which looked really cool. But the, actually the Toy Man stuff I liked, because I think we're going to, we saw this in the trailer where he's going to put them in a video game. We're going to see them do like Street Fighter type moves and it's going to be silly. I'm going to take it for what it is. I'm expecting to be really like the brave and the bold, except with the whole Justice League being more a part of it than just Batman. So yeah, there might be some stuff that may be a little too silly, but at the same time, it still looks like a lot of fun. So I'm still excited for it, and I can't wait for it to come on. So you'll definitely hear my thoughts on it when the show finally premieres in a few weeks. <laughs> right. Um, his second question is, I asked you about uh, your three favorite animated Batman costumes before, but what are your three favorite animated Robin and Batgirl costumes? My picks for Robin, three... Damian Wayne's costume in Son of Batman, Justice League, uh, Justice League War, um, etc. Two, Dick Grayson's costume in the original Teen Titans animated series. And one is Dick Grayson's costume in uh, Young Justice. My picks for Batgirl. Three, Young Justice costume. Two, the new Batman Adventures costume. And one, the the, (laughs) the Killing Joke costume. Uh, so Tim, what are your your favorite uh, Robin costumes? Yeah, for me, number three, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna agree. Uh, Damien's costume from Son of Batman and the other DC animated movies looks really good. I love this costume in the comics. Love that he has the hood as part of his cape, and they captured it well in those animated movies. So that's number three. Number two, I'm gonna go Tim Drake's in the new Batman Adventures. That suit had to grow on me. I will admit. But it's become such a staple for later on in other Robin costumes in the comics and other series. But it all started there what was more of the red and yellow without the green. So i got to give props to that one. And then my number one, I mean, what else can it be? Dick Grayson's costume from the original Batman the Animated Series. 
pretty much uh, taking Tim Drake's first costume from the comics, translating into animation, looks so great. It's the perfect Robin costume, the best Robin costume we'll ever we're ever gonna have, and they translated it perfectly into the animated series. So that's gonna be my number one. And all right, uh, so go yours, or should I do Batgirl? Uh, okay. I'll do mine, and then we can both give our background. Um, I agree with uh, with Jordan. Three is Damian Wayne's costume, in, um, or just in general, yeah. because it's the same thing in the comics as it is in the animated movies. Um, two, um, I'm probably going to agree with you, the, the, the new Batman Adventures. And one, how... How could you pick anything else but the Dick Grayson uh, costume from uh, the animated Thank series? <laughs> Glad <laughs> <you're here. laughs> All right, uh, three uh, three of your favorite Batgirl animated series. All right, for costumes. me, number three, I'm going to go with the Batman's Batgirl costume. I really liked how her costume looked in that show, and her eyes were. I remember she had the wide eyes on that costume, which in Batman the Animated Series she never had. I did like that touch of having the white lenses on there. Then number two, I'm going to go the original Batman the Animated Series costume where she had the gray and blue. And then number one, the new Batman Adventures Batgirl. I really loved how it was pretty much an all-black costume with the blue cape with the yellow uh, interior of the cape and the yellow gloves that looked really cool. And I think that her Killing Joke one is pretty similar to that. It's not that much different so those ones I kind of I know that was uh, Jordan's number one so I think we're kind of on the same page as far as those ones go but yeah that one the new Batman Adventures would be my number one yeah for me um, three is going to be the um, new Batman Adventures two um, it's not really a I mean it might have been in an animated movie or series uh, but her classic Batgirl outfit uh, with the yellow and the black stuff like that. Um, number one, I'm actually going to agree with with Jordan uh, the the Killing Joke costume. I thought while what happens happens, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was a great costume. That we can all agree on. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and G- and Jordan um, ends his email by saying, "Best Jordan, thank you, Jordan, for your email. Yep. Uh, we always appreciate your emails, and we, I mean, even though it's 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 pretty much a, a, a an entire book <laughs> of uh, <laughs> of an email, uh, we always enjoy reading them. So keep on sending those in. Yep. Like we say, no matter how short or longer emails are, we're going to read every word you put on there, no matter what." <laughs> You guys took the time to write us. We're going to take the time to read it. Yep. Um, but like a couple of weeks ago, uh, we saved the worst for last. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, I mean we have an email from Mark. <laughs> I was glad he was able to send us an email still, even though he's probably still on a high from the Cubs winning the World Series. Yeah, wouldn't you be too if you're a lifelong Cubs yeah. fan? <laughs> <laughs> I think if... I'm surprised the email did just didn't say Cubs, 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 Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mark says, "Hey, Dan and Tim, hope you guys are doing well. So even with so even with things in the DCEU taking a bit of a hit, 
uh, I took some some time to reflect. I do feel the DCEU is in a good place because of financials. Yes, they didn't make as much money as they wanted to, but they turned a profit. That is not an excuse for making an okay movie in BVS and a bad one with Suicide Squad. I do have faith in Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman, and my excitement has only grown since the last trailer. DC Rebirth continues to own Marvel in terms of sales and quality. Um, anyways, the Justice League Dark trailer was pretty cool, and I'm actually going to watch it. Lastly, the Cubs are the World Series <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that won't ever get old. Dane, does my fandom of the Carolina Panthers make sense now? Uh, I guess. I mean, I, I, I just don't understand why you wouldn't be a fan of the Chicago Bears. You mean, yeah, the Bears first before he went to Carolina? Yeah, yeah, because, I mean, he's... Or maybe he wasn't fully into footballing yet, and when he did, he was, it got, became a Panthers fan when he did, because that's where he was. I guess. Uh, looks like yeah. you have more explaining to do, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I just don't understand that, but... Um, he, he goes on to say, um, how, how about them Blackhawks? Uh, Mark got me into hockey. Really? So, I was going to say, yeah. I, I guess this one's for you, Dave, because I am not a hockey guy. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it, it's, it's a really great sport, and you should, you should definitely give it a try because it's, it's one of the most exciting, uh, fast-paced uh, sports to watch live. So, yeah, maybe I'll pay def- attention to when the Stanley Cup finals begin or something. Yeah, because yeah, that's the best hockey you'll see. I will say, Mark, you said that that won't ever get old. Hopefully that's still the case when if the Cubs run off a dynasty where they win three or four championships in a row. I don't think it will because I know some people who are fans of certain teams that it's not quite the same when you win that first championship and then you win more. I've heard that from the Giants recently. So yeah. I, I don't see how winning a series, World Series can ever get old, no matter how many you win. So <laughs> here's well, I mean, the it's, hopefully it's, Cubs dynasty. It's not so much that, like, like, like winning – the World Series. It's it's more the the atmosphere, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you see Wrigley, you see the Ivy fence, you see um, those guys on the across from Wrigley on the uh, on top of that building. <laughs> you just see history there. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And is that going to be forgotten because they win a lot, or is is that going to remain intact? Because we see we've seen what happened or what happened. To Fenway, yeah, you know, it's not yeah, so they don't have the same intensity that they had. But. Yeah, and it's not so much about the Green Monster as as much as it is about when are we going to get to the next World Series? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully, it won't happen too much for Cubs fans. But they're they're such loyal diehard fans when they were losing. I can't imagine they were going to lose that intensity just after one championship. But yeah, but you have to do maybe the, after five. <laughs> yeah, but you can say the same thing about the Red Sox. Yeah, I think Cubs fans are more loyal than Red Sox fans are. <laughs> That's just me watching Cubs games as a kid and yeah. later on when they're bad, but Wrigley Field is always packed, and they're just so devoted to their team. So yeah, we'll see. We're in uncharted waters now for Cub fandom. Yeah. <laughs> they're winners. Uh, but Mark has questions, and he says, Did you hear the news about the Green Lantern Corps making an appearance in Justice League? Yes, I did hear that yesterday, and all I say about it is 
if there's going to be one rumor that pans out to be true for Justice League, that one <laughs> is the one I want to be true the most because you've heard me rant about it before. Justice League is not Justice League without a Green Lantern. So if one shows up, even if it's for one scene to get him introduced to the team or to let him know there's a bigger threat out there in the universe, that's all I'm asking for in this first one, and then have him be part of it in the second one. So, yeah, I'm excited that hopefully this leads to him actually being in the mover, the movie. So hopefully this is true. I don't know, Tim. I know, it's still a rumor right now, but <laughs> still- it gives me a little hope. There's actually a rumor about it now instead of yeah. just hearing things like nope he's not in it they're saving him for later so gives me hope what does your brother think about it <laughs> he, he's, he sent a tweet out that says like uh, this rumor better not be toying with us yeah. <laughs> like don't toy with us Green Lantern fan his <laughs> um, second question is Dane are you enjoying fantasy hockey um, to be honest I haven't really put that much thought into it um, just like the first I'd say like five weeks of my fantasy football team. Um, but I am winning. I mean, I mean, I'm at the top of my league in, in fantasy football for some reason. <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't pay attention to it then if you're still winning. Yeah. Just keep uh, it going. Well, I mean, now I'm paying attention. I've lost twice and I've won once. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know about that. Um, and if you're wondering, Mark, that's why I texted you or keep texting you about uh, Stewart, who is the who's the running back for um, Carolina, uh, because he's on my fantasy team, and I never know if he's hurt or not, because they never really <laughs> give you a full, uh, a complete, I mean, a uh, an accurate answer. Um, his third question is: Have you have you guys seen Arrival? It's awesome. No, I haven't seen it, but. Like you said, Mark, I've heard nothing but great things about it. How yeah. it's one of the best movies of the year, one of the best sci-fi movies. So it's probably one I am gonna have to check out eventually. Yeah, I haven't seen it either, but I, I guess, I guess I have to now because everybody's saying that it's like you said, one of the best movies in, of the year, and uh, it, it, it's it's an alien story, but it's kind of different. It's about a linguist. Yeah. <laughs> See, see, I thought it reminded me when I saw the trailers for it, like it was going to be another, like, like that movie Contact with Jodie Foster. Yeah, yeah. Where they're trying to make contact with the aliens, and then they, but this one, they actually arrive, it looks like. Yeah. Hence the title. Arrival. Of the film, so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I'm sh- it sounds like it's way better than Contact from what people are saying. Yeah. Now. Um, I hear it's really timely, too. And his fourth and final question is favorite sci fi movie slash property? Can't be Star Wars, Tim. Uh, well. <laughs> There is that argument that Star Wars and sci-fi, it's like sci-fi fantasy or sci-fantasy, whatever you want to call it. Space fantasy, I think, is the term. So, yeah. But, yeah, for there's two of them. One of them is not a movie, but the other is a movie slash TV show. So I'm going to go with Star Trek as my favorite. The original series and the original movies, but the new reboot series by J.J. Abrams is awesome, too. So, yeah. so anything with the original crew, I'm always a big fan of. And then my other favorite sci-fi property is going to be Mass Effect, the video game series. Nothing, no other sci-fi franchise got me hooked like that series did other than Star Trek and Star Wars because there's something about other sci-fi TV shows and movies that just doesn't grab me the way the aliens look or the ships look. A lot of it seems to be derivative or just not as good as Star Wars or Star Trek, so I can never really get into other sci-fi stuff, but 
Mass Effect really got to me with great alien designs, characters, and stories. Locations are really cool. So Mass Effect and Star Trek are my two favorite sci-fi properties. Uh, for me, it's not really a sci-fi movie uh, besides the fact that it has an alien in it. Uh, but ever since I was a kid, ever since you know I first saw it, I've been a huge fan of John Carpenter's The Thing. Um, okay. Yeah, the, I, I'd say besides Batman movies um, or superhero movies in general, that's probably my favorite movie. Um, I, I watch it almost every year, a few times a year. Um, and it, it, it still fasc- fascinates me because <laughs> it, it's just one of those things that you don't get a full story so you have to piece things together and you know who 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 gets infected first and then who you know who gets infected next and is 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 Kurt Russell does Kurt Russell die at the end or and you know it's it's just small things like that and even down to what color coat are are, are they wearing you know it's, it it just fascinates me that 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 movie. Um, Did you ever play the video game that came out for it? Yeah, like two thousand. Yeah, I did. Okay, and I love that game because of that whole um, trust system thing. I don't know if you ha- have you played it. No, the only thing I remember it is because when that, like right before that game came out was when I first started to work at GameStop, yeah. and they had this video of. Up, advertising upcoming games and that one always came on <laughs> so I, that's how I remember the game yeah. we got a lot of pre-orders for it though too. yeah that was a great game that unfortunately never got a sequel was it a, like a retelling of the movie or kind of like no, it's, a sequel it's, to the yeah movie? it's a sequel to the movie it's what happened okay. after the, the movie um, so yeah it's, it's probably it's, it's not really a franchise <laughs> but it's it's uh the, that's probably my favorite um, movie that's not connected to a Batman movie or a, a huge big franchise thing. Unfortunately, uh, they they made a a, t- a terrible reboot, a terrible remake, <laughs> oh, sequel, right. prequel to it. Um, but the the original stands as one of my favorite movies. Uh, my second one is probably um, Battlestar Galactica. When that show came out, I immediate, immediately loved it, and uh, I watched all five seasons of it and all of the movies, even though some of them weren't that good. Um, so yeah, probably Battlestar Galactica. And Mark uh, ends his email by saying, Mark T. Lemke. <laughs> <laughs> So so yeah, th- uh, thank you, Mark, for your email. Sorry, something just popped up on my screen and totally distracted me at the end of, <laughs> at the end of Mark's email. So thank you, Mark, for your email. Uh, we always enjoy reading them when you send them in, even though we we say that it's we we've saved the worst for last. It's actually um, good. <laughs> um, if it really was the worst, we wouldn't be reading it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just kidding even if it was like the worst terrible email that made no sense the sentences run on there's no punctuation we'd still find a way to make it work and read it (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah thank you to all of you who emailed Um, and if you want to email the show you can email the show 
badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So be sure to do that. Yeah, real quick before we leave the listener feedback section, just want to read a quick treat that we got from uh, John uh, at Everdon. That's his Twitter handle is at uh, Avonerd. So <laughs> oh, probably messing up the correct pronunciation, but at Avonerd, I sent the tweet out asking who's getting the Suicide Squad uh, extended cut. And John replied to it saying that there's not much of a notable difference. Nowhere near the level of BVS. Says there's a nice Joker and Harley scene, but that's about it. So with that and other stuff I read about, little, I mean, I'm going to wait till I get the Blu-ray to see the extended cut. They didn't add as much Joker and Harley stuff as I was hoping. Unfortunately, I still heard that the ending sequence where Joker comes back with the burnt face still isn't in there, which to me is a real big disappointment because I thought for sure that'd be in there. I want to see how that scene plays out, but sounds like some cool stuff, but that's not going to affect the movie that much. So those expecting, like John said, a Batman v Superman, big difference aren't going to get up with suicide squad. So I'll still check it out when it comes out on Blu-ray, but my expectations are more in check as far as getting more great Joker Harley stuff. Oh, so you didn't end up, uh, Getting the, the the digital download. No. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> when I texted you, it was like it shows how much I never download anything digitally because <laughs> I was gonna go, oh, I'll, I'll I'll rent it, check it out, then I'll buy one because on the Blu-ray. Yeah, and I find out, oh, for the early releases, you can only buy it. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I like Suicide Squad more than I know most people did, but I didn't love it enough to buy it twice <laughs> just to see it a, a month early. So waiting for the Blu-ray. Okay. Um, but now we can move on to our comic book reviews. Um, we have five books. This week. Yeah, we have five <laughs> books. Um, but like we say at the end, I mean at the beginning, every comic book section, there's going to be a lot of spoilers in this in this um, in this section of the podcast. So if you haven't read your books, uh, read your books and then come back to this part later. And um, for this episode, we have detect. Detective Comics number 944, All-Star Batman number 4, Batman number 11, Batman TMNT Adventures number 1, Tim. Oh, yes we do, <laughs> Batman TMNT comic to review. I'm assuming only you and Mark have reviews for this. <laughs> I hope Mark does too. Uh, and we have Wonder Woman number 10. So uh, let's let's start off with uh, Detective then. Yep. So I was thinking for our rating scale, how about TV shows and video games that are celebrating its 15th year anniversary this year? That make us feel old. Yes. Okay. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right. Detective Comics number 944, part two of this new story arc that uh, James Tinning is doing with the victim syndicate. And I really like in the story idea of these villains and call themselves the vin- <laughs> the victim syndicate it continues off where they take in hostage of the police fundraiser because they're not too happy with the cops of Gotham supporting Batman knowing what he's done to the innocent victims I just like that whole idea of this group of people inadvertently affected by Batman when he was dealing with different villains that have ruined and changed these people's lives forever and kind of turned them into freaks giving them powers but yet they're victims nonetheless and they're letting their frustrations known to Batman and Gotham to say the least so they come in this issue they have their standoff with Batman and his team and I like how first Batman and Batwoman make their presence known after Montoya and the police really couldn't do anything about it and Batman goes to try to punch the leader who I like his costume it's almost a little bit of a 
different version variation of the red hood uh, costume which at least that's what it reminded me of anyway it's not a direct interpretation of it but i think it had that red hood feel but batman tries to go to punch that leader but he has this energy shield that blocks his punch and so batman's gonna have to hear <laughs> them talk and say what they're all about and one of them takes out spoiler who just starts vomiting by this guy who has this uh you know virus that makes people sick and nauseated which he does to spoiler to take her out and uh, while they're batman and uh, batwoman are kind of having a standoff with that group clayface and harper row uh get confronted by another one of the members who i think is calling herself mudface who was affected the same way clayface was but wasn't able to control and sustain uh the materials that caused clayface so she's just a really disfigured woman who you know <laughs> is venting her frustration on the person she holds most responsible but is more upset now that he's working with batman but there was a cool moment here too because we now got luke fox as part of the team and i'm love his batwing costume i just think like, it's so cool and he's able as the leader keeps talking batman reveals to him that batwing was able to you know uh take off the bioelectric shield that that leader had had on and everything he was saying broadcasting to gotham uh batwing able was able to cut the feed before it went out so everything he said uh, no one heard except who was in that room and batman just takes him out with a punch but they had one more trick up their sleeve where another villain there who was as kind of an anti-fear toxin which is going to take away those around him their fear kind of like that batman the animated series episode never fear so it was going to take away the cops fear of using their weapons and to have a massive shootout but there's gas everywhere so they can't really see and so i love how the panel here where that happens kind of leaves you as a little cliffhanger there where uh, batman and batwoman are kind of freaking out in a way is like that woman trying to get all the civilians out but the police are about to fire then you just heard this word you see the word blam on there and then we cut to the back cave and we find out that due to luke's uh new technology and these weapons that uh he that were on display at the show he just goes that uh lethal force on those guns weren't enabled they were only able to fire rubber bullets so even though the plat the police there just started shooting randomly because of that toxin they really didn't kill anyone they just got hurt so a lot of them were taken to the hospital but batman realizes he needs to stop this victim syndicate right away so him luke and batwoman are going over ways to stop them and get more information i like how once batwoman and batwoman go over uh what happened to these criminals and why they're calling themselves the victim syndicate i like how almost each one of them is uh kind of had a run-in with batman while he's taking out several villains one of them called the mute uh, went up against the Joker, and uh, the one who had that anti-fear toxin um, was someone who was affected by the Scarecrow, where Batman reveals that he was one of his first uh, guinea pigs in his experiments. And then another one was affected by uh, Poison, Ivy, Poison Ivy. And then, like I said, with Mudface, uh, she had an interaction with Clayface that caused her to turn into something like him. So I just love how it's all tying in to these battles that Batman have with his villains. But yet, you know, there's those battles even though batman wins there are going to be some damages to to people who are affected by uh these criminals and and the events that maybe batman something that he did inadvertently and not on purposely but still caused those people to you know be affected somehow some way not in a positive way either so i just like that whole idea of this group of people calling themselves the victim syndicate getting their revenge on batman 
because they view him technically at fault over the actual villain. So this makes for a fascinating story. So the issue ends with Batman going to visit Spoiler, who <laughs> kind of Batman gets a mouthful from Leslie Tompkins, showing how he's Batman still putting these young kids in danger, how she's not happy about it. But then uh, in the Spoiler's room, that the leader of the syndicate comes up to her and he just says, you know, he thinks it's time to have a little chat with Spoiler. So the issue ends with that. And again, James Tinian is continuing to tell great stories in Detective with great artwork as what usual. So just another great issue. I'm going to give it four out of five TV shows or video games celebrating 15-year anniversaries that make us feel old. Uh, for me, um, what... I didn't really so so much like the um, the victims uh, group or what are, what are they called Tim? It's the victims. Yeah, the victims syndicate. syndicate. I didn't really like that much that that story as much as I liked um, again the group dynamic of that woman and spoiler and um, I guess Harper Row now uh clayface and uh i wonder how long she's gonna is this gonna be for these two issues or if she's gonna stick around for this arc i wonder yeah i wonder if she's gonna be part of the group now that tim isn't there um i think that's what luke fox is for though yeah but it could it, it could be both um yeah that's true um yeah so so i'm not so much digging the story um it it's it's pretty good with um you know all these villains I guess you could call them uh, connected to other villains and um, I guess trying to make Batman feel guilty about um, protecting the city um, but what I I guess my only knock on this this issue is that um, that weird transition between um, Batman being paralyzed and then they're all in the Batcave or the Batbunker that, yeah. that was just a a weird transition and it didn't really work out that well i mean i don't yeah see i kind of took it as i know what you mean by like i was like that blank page where it just says blam yeah. you kind of wonder oh what happened and then you know what could you know they're gonna be okay but you just don't know how it happens so i get what you're saying but it's still kind of yeah for and, me. and i understand why they did that to save you know page pages and stuff but um maybe we should have saw that and then have a cliffhanger at the end of this episode, I mean this issue, and we get to see what happens in the next issue. Um, so, so that was kind of a weird transition, but um, yeah, overall, I think the the victim syndicate isn't that interesting. I like their leader; I think it's a great design, and um, the their leader is written really well. But uh, the the overall story just isn't. Um, quite there for me but like i said the the group dynamic uh the the batman group dynamic is is what keeps me returning back to this book over and over again i think uh james tinian does a great job in this issue so um for this one i'm going to give it three and a half out of five uh video games or video game consoles or or comics or tv shows that turn 15 uh this year and make us feel old all right, cool. So next up, All-Star Batman number four. And this one, I've been enjoying All-Star for the last three issues. I think it's been really fun. This one isn't bad, but I just felt out of the four issues so far, this one wasn't as good as the other three. And 
there are some cool stuff, mainly what information we get about Bruce and Harvey as little kids. So this issue begins with, uh, you see this old house, which I'm kind of assuming was where maybe Bruce and Harvey have to go, but I'm not so sure because we just see this person yelling in the basement, like, hello, is someone there? Please get me out of here. Then we just transition back to where the last issue left off, where Harvey has spilt acid on Bruce's face, and even though his mask is covering uh, most of its damages, it causes, it causes him to lose his sight. And so, uh, but Batman and Duke are able still to fight their way through Two-Face and the Talons. He did reveal that those uh, men he had from the last issue were Talons. But uh, <laughs> I liked how, because the sewer starts getting flooded, but I loved how Batman uses uh, Duke's uh, metal band that he was listening to in the car from the last issue. He was uh, told him to get that ready and going to amplify it through. He had these speakers that came out of his Bat logo on his chest and just blasts out this song <laughs> and this, the airwaves and it just causes uh, the towns that were going to attack them this, this is like sonic blast that sends them out through the sewers so they're able to escape I like how Batman even says at the end once they get out like uh, what was that song called about teeth on the pavement I think I like that one <laughs> just kind of giving some nod in recognition to Duke's music taste I thought was pretty funny but before Two-Face can make his escape Batman and Duke catch up to him and they knock him out and they're riding on a plane to bring him closer to that location Batman is trying to get to. But like I said, the stuff that I really liked in this issue was where Bruce kind of reveals to Duke about him and Harvey spending time at that uh, children's home. That's that's not Arkham, but it was by Arkham to help little kids going through tough times, and how they made a pact there where they agreed that they'd each take out... uh, the person that's um, hurting them and affected their lives. Harvey agreed to kill Joe Chill, and Bat- Bruce agreed to kill his father. Uh, they had it all planned out. And remember, this is little kids talking, so of course they're talking things a little in the extreme. But uh, Bruce goes on to say how Harvey found out that uh, he, his father sent him this lucky coin that he changed it, though. He had it reminted and had it as a two-headed coin instead of a two uh, tails sided coin and that was his way of saying he'll get better and he'll never hurt Harvey again so once he saw that Harvey changed his mind about the plan him and Bruce had he wanted to go back to his father he says he believed his father won't beat him again but Bruce knew that's not true he was mad at Harvey he goes and Harvey really decided what he's going to do I was screaming at him like you know your father's lying he's just going to beat you again but, but then later on Bruce I like how he says to Duke you know it realizes that it's, you know, just acceptance of, you know, wanting to see the good in people and that that's how we want to see those who are really bad. You know, we want to try our best to help them out because if there are still good in them, that's what Harvey saw. And that's kind of what Bruce is teaching Duke here and that Duke kind of reflects on, you know, what that's kind of what I got to deal with with my parents right now. I mean, they're saying these terrible, evil things to me, but I still got to continue to see, you know, that there are good people in there and see them that even though they don't have a cure yet he has to you know stick with them to know that look for that the best is going to happen and that they are going to pull through this so i'd kind of like parallel that what bruce is saying without having him and harvey duke's able to accept and apply to himself but they get captured by the kgbs again both harvey batman and duke by the penguin but then penguin reveals that Harvey had a contingency plan for Two-Face in case Batman could get him to that house like he planned. Uh, he put a tracker on him to have him be captured by the KGBs and Penguin, or basically by Penguin, but Penguin hired the KGBs. So 
just so that they can capture him and kill him because he just wants Two-Face to be dead. If he has to die with him, fine. So that's what he did. But then he reveals before Batman and Duke caught him, before they escaped from the sewers, he uh, widened the range of that uh, transceiver and then most people were able to track him. So before Batman, or before Penguin's able to kill Batman, Duke, and Two-Face, bullets start flying through the hideout that they're in and Duke is wondering, like, what's going on? This death struck this Lady Shiva, who's attacking? But it's just a mob of people who've received Harvey's wide transmission of that tracking device, and they're just out to get him. So, in a way, Harvey is still battling Two-Face. <laughs> Two-Face is trying to stop Harvey's other contingency plan by widening that range. So, Batman still has his hands full of trying to get Two-Face to that house to hopefully cure him. And the other big thing was that Two-Face revealed... Um, that person I talked about in the beginning in that house stuck in the basement asking for help is actually his father. So we'll see if that is the house Batman and Bruce or Batman and Two-Face are trying to get to or if that's a totally different location Harvey's keeping uh, his father in. So like I said, some cool revelations about Bruce and Harvey as kids. Other than that, this issue wasn't as fun as the other ones have been, which is like I like to describe All-Star Batman with a lot of different villains showing up and Batman taking them out and different unique ways that make this issue fun to read so i'm going to give this one uh three out of five uh movies tv shows video games that turn 15 years old but and make us feel old so this one was good but just not my favorite out of all the rest of the all-star issues all right so uh batman number 11 tim ah batman. <laughs> <laughs> well I'm glad to say that Batman 11 was a lot better than issue number 10. Uh, the story progressed in a better way. Batman had more dialogue than just that same line over and over again. And it was a great issue for Batman and Catwoman, I will say. Kind of what Jordan was talking about in his email. The letter that we got in the last issue kind of... I wouldn't say it was like played out again in this issue, but uh, the effects of it were felt more in this issue, too, knowing what happened with Batman and Catwoman. I like how the issue started with a classic Batman and Catwoman chase on the rooftops where Batman's trying to capture Catwoman after she did with killing 250 people, but Catwoman knows, like, if he catches her and brings her in, that's it for her. She's going to be probably executed and put down, and Batman's kind of torn with it because he just he knows what's going to happen. If Catwoman tries to reason with him, you know, you know what they'll happen to me, and Batman's like, what am I supposed to do? Like, if we do this right, like what's between us, I mean, we can work this out somehow, but there's just no easy solution for it. And Batman just, I like the last panel where he just kind of hugs him and says, like, what am I supposed to do? So, but then we get uh, into the present where Batman is giving Catwoman her mission with uh, the ventriloquist on their plan to get Psycho Pirate out. So if he has two phases of this plan, they're going to, Catwoman and Psycho, uh, Ventriloquists are going to sneak in, get Psycho Pirate, and get him out while... Uh, I was going to call him Tiger Claw, because <laughs> that's the Ninja Turtles character. <laughs> but Bronze Tiger and uh, those other two inmates at Arkham. Uh, what were their names again? Julie, I believe, was one of them. And the other guy, I'm forgetting his other name. But those ones, I'm glad later on we'll find out they were taken out at the end of this issue, because I kind of found them annoying. This, she's trying to be kind of like a a lesser Harley Quinn, and I don't know what he's trying to be. He was making jokes, showing how crazy he is, but I, I, their dialogue just didn't fly for me. So, and even Bronze Tiger was getting annoyed with them. So, uh, he, their plan was to—he was going to bargain them over for Bane, 
but while he's distracting them, Catwoman's going to get Psycho Pirate out. But uh, we got another good conversation between Catwoman and Ventriloquist as they're making their way through the pipelines to get to Psycho Pirate. They're kind of comparing themselves as far as, you know, <laughs> what makes them uh, Bat- Batman's villains where she's asking him, like, are you really two people? Scarface is really just you, isn't it? Just some, like, deep suppress of the personality and Ventriloquist, as we as I like to view him as him and Scarface, totally separate people. He admits that. You're like, no, I don't uh, know what Scarface is, is planning or all that. He's totally separate from me. And Catwoman kind of tells him, oh, you're lucky because uh, you get a break from your monster side. Mine, like, he's here all the time. She's stuck inside of me, this monster I have. So I like that conversation they had, kind of showing how they're different, but yet the the same struggles they both had to go through as just people who are just have a lot of problems, to say the least, and dealing with Batman as supervillain. So that was a nice moment for them. But Catwoman's not going to go through on their plan like Batman has laid out. As Bronze Tiger is making his uh, deal with Bane, Catwoman just comes out of nowhere, ties him up with her whip, and she just takes out uh, Julie and... Uh, her boyfriend, who I can't name, I can't remember, unfortunately. She just swipes their claws, swipes her claws against their necks, and takes them down. And Batman, as he seems, he doesn't react right away. All he says is just it seems they know. And then Catwoman makes her way to Bane, and she's like, "If you can help me disappear in exchange, I'll tell you how you can finally break Batman." And that's how the issue ends. So definitely some good stuff with Batman and Catwoman here. But I don't know. There's just something about what Catwoman did at the end that felt a little too extreme to me because I know she's betrayed Batman many times in the past, but she's like going a little overboard here, killing two people who are part of her team just kind of in, in cold blood in a way. She could have easily knocked them out and put them out of commission, but she just scratched their necks and they were bleeding out. So, and then just to really betray Batman to give him over to Bane. I can see her doing where she makes a deal with Bane to help her get out, but not at the expense of Batman. But again, Maybe the only way to get Bane to bargain with her is to give her Batman, kind of like the Dark Knight Rises. But I don't know, it just felt a little more extreme than I thought Catwoman would do. But it's still, that's what I'm torn. It fits with the character, but yet sometimes it's a little more aggressive than I thought or I was expecting it to be. So I don't know. I'm a little torn on it, but at the end, it was an interesting way for the story to unfold. So I did like that. There was a twist with Bat, was Catwoman betraying Batman after, you know, the struggle that they had at the beginning with that rooftop and then what we got with that letter. So things are playing out and coming together nicely for Batman and Catwoman. It's just, I don't know, there's something about the way she, what she did in her betrayal that, I don't know, sent a little off to me. But other than that, a much better issue. And hopefully the next one will be good because I hate to have it where it would be one good issue, one bad, one good, one bad. I want this series to start getting consistent. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one three out of five TV shows or video games consoles that are 15 years old this year that make us feel old. All right, so so now your favorite um, your favorite team up and your favorite <laughs> um, your favorite book. I uh, just it just might yeah. <laughs> we'll see, but yeah, you know I was excited about this one, another Batman team and T story, but this time set in the animated universes of both franchises. It's so good. But right off the bat, I just got to say the art is fantastic by 
uh, John Samarva, if I'm saying his name right, but he really captured the look of the Ninja Turtles animated series that's going on right now on Nickelodeon and Batman the Animated Series. More so Ninja Turtles than Batman, but still, it made you think of Batman the Animated Series and brought you into that classic design and style of that show. So hats off to the artist here and capturing the feel for both franchises. And I love the way this history begins. You think you're in Gotham, you see the shadow's eyes in the in an alleyway as a robber's making his way there. And there's a nice reference to Batman 89. You just see this voice in the shadow says, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell all your friends about me. And then the crook just scared eyes. just goes like, what are you? But then you see Michelangelo's face <laughs> just pop out. He just goes like, do you know where the nearest pizza place is? So stuff that you expect to be Batman, but then the turtles come out and put a fun twist on it like they always do. It was just a great callback to Batman 89, but yet giving the Ninja Turtles twist on there. So the story, I mean... Going into it, I kind of figured it was going to be something similar to the last one, even though it's in a different continuity. There's going to be uh, these portals that are going to take uh, these characters into different universes, but this time it's the Batman characters going to New York in the Turtles universe instead of the Turtles going to Gotham. So Batman uh, is going to investigate some Arkham inmates busting out of Arkham, and he finds Two-Face, and he starts talking about a second home and uh, two Earths and two universes. And Batman's like, you know, you're not making any sense. You just escaped from Arkham, but I need to know how you did it. And then he just, two faces, you're not going to tell me, just uh, chalking, Batman's talking up to him being more insane than usual. But the Turtles, they're realizing there's portals are going out in New York City themselves, and this usually has to deal with the Krang, who are from Dimension X, who make their way to New York through portals. So they're thinking, oh, it's nothing new. It's just more Krang trying to make their way to New York. But Batman goes to Arkham, and he sees this, like a residue of this portal that was in a Harvey's cell. And so he takes that to investigate and realizing that Poison Ivy's not there and several other Arkham inmates are gone, but no one knows how. And one of my favorite sequences is the turtles investigating one of these portals in the sewers. Michelangelo falls and slips into like the sewer waters, but uh, they're trying to figure out or trying to find him. And he comes out of the shadows, but his face isn't looking right. as a more sinister smirk to it. And it reveals to be Clayface. And we get a pretty awesome fight between the Turtles and Clayface, which, again, this is why these team-ups and crossovers are so fun, getting battles that uh, between characters you never expect to see. And this time it's Batman, uh, the Batman villain Clayface against the Ninja Turtles for a fun fight sequence. Uh, unfortunately, I wish Clayface would have shapeshifted a little more. He just uh, transformed into Michelangelo. So I would have loved him if he shapeshifted to something else, like maybe another Batman villain or like a... Uh, his own version of a Ninja Turtle some uh, other strange way instead of just a carbon copy of Michelangelo but other than that it was still a pretty cool fight so they send him back uh, to New York or to Gotham City but they're still wondering you know what was that all about and then we go back to the Batcave where uh, you know I complained about Alfred and his dialogue a lot in the Batman comics and one little sequence this uh, uh, segment with Alfred and writer Matthew Manning uh, got Alfred still right. He has this great moment where uh, he goes comes to dinner. He's all saying like, "He's spare some time for dinner, uh, Master Bruce." And Batman's all, "No, thank you, Alfred." And then Alfred just goes, "Oh, I'm shocked." And here I went out of my way to prepare this generous portion of nothing for you. Just opens a tray of there's nothing in there. He knows Batman's not gonna have time for food, and he just decides to have a little fun with him. See, that's classic Alfred, the funny side of him, but yet showing that he knows uh, Bruce better than anyone. So this is a great little moment that I love with Alfred, which. I haven't gotten in a while, <laughs> and it was nice to have. So we go back to New York, 
and the you see these foot soldier these foot soldier robots being torn apart and we get the reveal of who's trashing them and it's Joker and Harley and he all Joker says you know take me to your leader so I'm getting the feeling a Joker Shredder team up is going to happen where last time we got Rachel Ghoul and Shredder which made the most sense since they're both leaders of ninja organizations Joker and Shredder is going to be awesome because they're the two main bad guys of both you know Batman and the Turtles so to see them work together should be pretty <laughs> interesting to say the least so uh, no big surprise this is a fun issue I loved it the only knock on it was maybe a little similar in story to the first one but again I don't think that can be helped when you have these <laughs> vastly different franchises coming together so but I still enjoyed it a lot I'm going to give it 4 out of 5 uh, consoles or TV shows or video games that are 15 years old this year that make us feel old so it's off to a great start just like the other one was okay so finally we have a Wonder Woman number 10 yes man I'm just going to say it right off the bat 5 out of (laughs) 5 this issue was awesome (laughs) I mean you and me have gushed about Wonder Woman since Rebirth but I think this one's my favorite so far I just love how it's Steve and uh, Candy taking Wonder Woman to get her acclimated with, you know, normal life in this world. They take her to her mall. They're, you know, wondering if she wants to see a movie. They're going to different shots, what she wants to eat. And before, you know, as they're talking about all this, there's a great moment where these two kids just come up to Wonder Woman just saying hello. And even though and still they're having a hard time understanding uh, Diana's language, that being Steve uh, and Candy, but Barbara Ann's able to talk with her, but these kids just go up and tell and say hello i like your outfit and diana just tells her her name and she smiles and they say goodbye you know something that you'd expect to have happen was a larger than life figure dressed like that these kids being drawn to it It was a nice moment but it has a really great payoff later on so as they're talking here uh, the mall comes under attack by by these terrorists or actually i should say before that um when wonder woman she shows off her golden lasso they're still trying to figure out how she's getting or talking about how she got her powers from the ancient Greek gods. And when they're all touching the golden lasso or the lasso of truth, they're able to understand her. So they're having a conversation with all of them <laughs> touching the lasso of truth, which I thought was pretty cool. But like I said, they become under attack by this terrorist group that starts firing at inside this mall, firing at random people. And you see people going down, police officers. And then Wonder Woman just has this shocked look on her face. I just loved her dialogue and her first reaction was that, you know, this isn't where battles are supposed to take place. Like this, she knows this isn't right, even though you know uh, she's had her deal of you know trained for combat, battle, and warfare. But she knows this isn't right. So she goes out and just starts taking out all these different gunmen. I just love how we know she just got her powers, but this is the perfect way for her to sh- display her powers for the first time for the world to see and in this continuity in this year one story for us readers to see and the layout and how these battles and panels were drawn just looks so good i just love the one where that one page where there's these bunch of different there's two panels one on the left one on the right and you just see wonder woman racing over to stop this bullet that's going to fire on the family and the kids that she was saying hello to early on it was just a great display of her racing over there and then her uh, bracelets deflecting that bullet. It was just a great layout. And then when you turn the page, you see it said the other one was supposed to imply slow motion, kind of like when you see in movies of someone trying to get to someone real quick. But once she gets there, then the art the artist greatly captures the 
quickness of her deflecting the bullets with her bracelets, protecting that family. It was just so awesome. And I just see people filming it on their phones. So this is what I loved about this issue. And it just reminded me, this is what us as fans love about superheroes because, unfortunately, the setting had a a real-world application because we see, unfortunately, shootings happen like this in public places all the time. And to see it here in the story and with one of the greatest superheroes ever in Wonder Woman just kind of makes it more poignant of why we love these heroes. You know, unfortunately, we don't have them in real life to stop things like this, but that's why we go to these stories and these characters to kind of escape from reality and look towards something good and better. And, man, Greg Rucker really captured what makes Wonder Woman, I think, one of those special heroes. Her, just their selflessness, her courage to take down these bad guys and protect these people in this very public setting. So, again, a great display of the character and her powers being on display for the first time for these people. And then it gets to reveal that these terrorists, it looks like they were kind of under mind control because as they, when the person reveals as a jacket comes undone, he has a logo of that's the seer group of the team that Steve Trevor and his men were going after in the beginning of the story arc. So this story was fantastic from an action standpoint, the layouts of the panels that captured the action characterization of one woman and her powers to just all <laughs> clicked in this issue. So like I said, five out of five uh, video games, TV shows that are 15 years old that make us feel old. This issue was probably the best one of Wonder Woman yet. And that's saying something with <laughs> how great Rebirth has been. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. The, the way she saved all those people uh, and, and the way that Greg Rucka wrote this issue is definitely the best in this Rebirth. Uh I I have this fear whenever I read Wonder Woman when she comes to our world where it's like, oh, you know, what's all of this? What's, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know where she's lost yeah. and stuff. Like she, she doesn't know what a table is or whatever, <laughs> or whatever right? Uh, but Greg Rucka does some of that, but he, he doesn't, he writes it in such a way where it makes sense. It's not what is this? It's it's a chair, you know. It's it's a table. It's people talking. The, the noise, you know, the noise level of a of a regular street and how loud yeah. it is for her. And, you know, it's it's a churro. You know, <laughs> that's like right. She, yeah. <laughs> <she's>, <laughs> it, it, it's all sugar, and maybe that, maybe she, maybe that's not good for Diana. You know, it's things like that. It's not makes her look stupid mm-hmm. you know it's it's these little sm- small little things like the like a shopping center like like with with a bunch of stores and stuff real small things um yeah so i, I you've said it all tim <laughs> like, i i can't really say much more than that um intri- i'm really interested to see where the story goes uh, and i like how they're telling kind of two different stories uh, with every other issue, um, that's definitely a plus to me. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna give this four and a half out of five uh, comics, movies, TV shows that have hit their fifteen fifteenth anniversary and make us feel old. Yeah, so I thought Turtles was Batman was gonna be my favorite, but. Wonder Woman <laughs> edges it out. That's <laughs> why how awesome it was. <laughs> oh, you see, you I surprised, surprised myself. Me, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I guess that's it from us. So just uh, head over to thebatmanuniverse.net on facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse or on Twitter. The Twitter handle is at batmanuniverse. Our show's Twitter handle is at batfanspodcast. And you can email the show um, at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at timg311. Thank you, Dane. And, uh, you mentioned something that just kind of bummed me out because I missed out on getting tickets for them at a local show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like the worst out? part was I was on the page because I was there refreshing it and it came up. It was like, yeah. for some, it was like a new format I wasn't familiar with where you got tickets. Okay, where's the purchase ticket button? I found it. Okay, there it is. I clicked it. Up, oh, sold out already. It's like <laughs> oh. they're playing. A, and they're only playing one show. Yeah, it's, it's not the House of yeah. Blues. They're kind of like a reopening for the one, and that's pretty close to me in Anaheim. It's like, uh. yeah. Aren't they from California? They live here now, but they're from uh, Omaha. Oh, Omaha. Oh. So, yeah. well, thank you for well, saying anyway, eleven. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Hopefully you can get tickets for another show, too. Well, I have seen them 13 times already, so... <laughs> oh, wow. I gotta get it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBanana. So with that, like we say at the end of every single episode, Tim, every single one of these we've done, we've said this. I'm pretty sure that's true. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. Before, before I say that... I was browsing Netflix, uh-huh. Tim. And guess what I found? Something worse than Jaws of Revenge? <laughs> yes, something worse than Jaws of the Revenge. It's three hours long. Oh, man, what is it? <laughs> Titanic <laughs> is on Netflix, Tim. Oh, God. <laughs> you say, you know what that means? Oh, you know what that I don't means. know. <laughs> I have to do a commentary for it. But rather than. Um, you know, just say that we have to do it. How about we put it out to Mark, to Jordan, and of course to Alex to see if we we should do this. Well, to see if we at least have three people listen to. It. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know, Tim. Yeah, that that's gonna be pretty hard to get to. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is three and hours. It's not as cheesy so. and dumb as Jaws yeah. Revenge was. <laughs> <laughs> so we're putting it out there for a vote. Uh, do you want us to do a commentary for Titanic? If you do, then let us know. So with that, like I said before, we say this at the end of every single episode. If you ever feel alone in this world, just remember... Dane and Tim do in fact care about you. Right, Tim? With all of our hearts. So, with that being said, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time.